0: To be recording a show right now, and it's called Silva and Gold. Now, some people have written in and they wonder, what is, what was the genesis of the name Silva and Gold? Well, here's the deal: there was this guy named Henry Silva, and he was in a lot of movies. I mean, he was in a lot of movies, and he was a really, really good actor. Probably like the Daniel Day-Lewis of the late 50s and early 60s, probably mid to late, mid early 50s to the early 60s. And he hung around with all these cool cats. And he he was a method actor and he had a style of his own now consequently many generations later a young swedish uh boy from sweden came to america and he was really tall he was ungodly handsome he was da- he got all these beautiful supermodels and actresses um he dated Grace Jones, who was just one of the most stunning creatures ever. And he was Dolph Lundgren. And he is the gold because he has blonde hair in silver and gold. He kind of took up the mantle of Henry Silva uh, because he hangs out with cool cats. Um, Sylvester Stallone, Randy Couture, uh, and some other guys that that Henry Silva was in a movie called Ocean's Eleven, which brought together Dean Martin, uh, Sammy Davis Jr., Larry Bishop's dad, um, Peter Lawford, and a whole bunch of swinging. Dudes, and then Dolph Lundgren, who's also a method actor, awesomely good-looking, physicality, macho. He, in the well, for generations now, from probably the eighties, nineties, into the two thousands, two thousand, all the way to two thousand fifteen, he has. a a group of swinging cats that he hangs out with the modern day oceans 11 the modern day uh rat pack which are the expendables you have sly stallone who is like frank sinatra you have um like jason statham is like dean martin and um sammy davis jr would be like terry cruz or he might be the little japanese guy i'm not chinese korean one of those guys um you have like joey bishops the father of larry bishop he would be like um I don't know. But anyway, you got like a lot of those guys. And so then you got Sylvan Gold, which is a podcast. You had a podcast um, called The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema. And they have like a bunch of swinging guys over there, swinging cats. And then they branched out like some of the, like Joey Bishop and Joey Bishop's son. If they got together and had a podcast, it would be like Sylvan Gold. And then, like, if Peter Lawford and his son were doing like cocaine together, it would be like Cult of Muscle. Anyway, I just wanted to let because you know we get a lot of we get a lot of stuff like that where people ask us you know what's going on with the you know what's this what's a silver and gold is that mean silver like are you guys selling uh, for the apocalypse you know because of the. Um, The gold standard when nixon got rid of the gold standard and they tell you to hoard gold and all that stuff you know so is that like what are you guys involved in that like and we're not because we don't like if there's an apocalypse we we recommend that you uh probably store up on like some kind of food something to make a fire with and you know some ammo that you can like hunt with and stuff but that's going to run out so you might want to have like maybe like a bow and arrow a knife like rambo like one of those knives some kind of knife something to make a fire with you can only carry so much food in case you got to go on the lamb. You know, and I mean, if the food's irradiated, it's you're going to die anyway. So, I mean, you might as well, I don't know what you can do because if like there's a nuclear war and the food gets irradiated in the water, you're going to just die. I mean, it might take a while, but your hair is going to fall out and you're going to get, you know, cancer and exposure and stuff like that. But if it's like somebody invading us and it's like overwhelming, you're probably going to have to go on the lamb. You might have to go live in the woods or go live in a city like you know like a bombed out crater of a city and you know everybody buys up all this ammo but you can only carry so much right you know what i'm saying so what you need to do with that is you need to just have as much as you know some that you can carry but then be like a in that daniel craig lee Ebb shriver with a saber tooth and James Bond were in that movie about the Jews that were hiding out in the woods from the Nazis. You just like if you kill a guy, if you kill a Nazi, if they invade us, then you get their gun. So you know you just kind of get guns as you go along. So don't get caught up in this whole buying guns or gold and stuff like that. You just you just need to be able to survive because you won't be able to listen like and like once your battery for your ipad or your ipod goes out or if they have an electromagnetic pulse you're not going to be able to do anything you can't podcast you can't listen you can't skype so you got to you got to do that stuff you know like get some get a book like a big thick book and something that you can read more than once because you know you're going to be out there in the woods i'm just saying so anyway, this is Sylvan Gold. This is uh, March 10th of 2015. Who would have ever thought that, you know, it would be 2015. You know, Christmas will be coming up soon. We got some events coming up. I know some of the folks are going to be heading down to um, Texas. Some of the folks are going to be heading up to uh, Horror Hound Weekend, which is coming up on the, like, you know, in about a week. Little over a week, Uh, Cinema uh, Wasteland is coming up. uh, You know, maybe like after that. I know that uh, Mike uh, down at the at the uh, Pensacon had a huge, successful uh, get together down there. I mean, I know that um, they had some issues just because when you have something that size, uh, he's talking about maybe changing the venue. And it's just like whether you know if you went to Horrorhound, uh, uh you, you know uh, you get that many people together and there's if there's like lines to get into places or to get pictures people are always gonna bitch but i mean if it it's it's a huge thing, so you know you gotta expect that you gotta go just for the fun and to be around people and if you know if you're one of these people that wants to stand in line waiting for pictures and stuff like that then you know that you're just going to have to expect away it's like going to an amusement park and having to wait to ride the ride you know some of the rides at the peak time uh no jason patrick canceled uh for Horrorhound. this is the second year in a row that he's canceled due to work uh i don't know i'd like to uh, he's one of these ones that i would like to just see you know maybe even say hey jason patrick what's going on me um but, you know, two times in a row, and he's, you know, uh, there's other people that have canceled, but, you know, you hear rumors about what kind of, you know, kind of a guy he is, kind of, I don't know, standoffish or whatever. He fucked uh, Julia Roberts at one time. He, I guess he was getting that pretty good, but I like him. I liked him in movies like Rush and, uh, Nark. I didn't see that, uh, Speed remake, um, i think he was just trying to cash a check there because he's not that kind of a actor to me i like it. his dad was awesome uh he was in the exorcist uh whatever his name was the guy that played father uh Karras. uh let's see he was jason patrick and he was jason miller and also the other day i didn't get to catch it it was on this i think and i was flipping the channels was um that basketball one that he was in <laughs> with Bruce Dern and Martin Sheen and Robert Mitchum about the uh, the season, you know, whatever it was called. So anyway, it's Sylvan Gold starting out with the bang. Um, just kind of dealing with not insomnia. Like when I come home, I, I I get groggy and I fall asleep, but then I do about a three-hour deal maybe three maybe four and then i'm up and then i just like catch a nap for about an hour before work and it's kind of sucks trying to overcome that that's like right now one of the reasons i'm babbling and bleary-eyed and everything is i got up but then uh, i'm just sitting here and you know it's kind of like "Eh, fuck it i might as well just podcast because i probably won't fall asleep again until about eight o'clock and it's like almost four but um, had some iTunes issues. I rented uh the new Owen McGregor movie. I think it's called son Sons of Guns or something like that where him and his brother are bank robbers or something and then I also rented um the new Jeremy Renner movie. Uh, where he it's a true story about uh, him exposing like uh, the you know uh, drug war and the connections that the uh, CIA and stuff had to like I think the crack cocaine epidemic. But then when I tried to move them over from my computer to my iPad, as um, soon as I tried to, it said I had an update for my iPad and uh, the goddamn thing was like an hour update. Well, when I updated the fucking thing, it the stuff was not even on my iPad. But I updated my iPad, and then when I went to my iTunes, that shit was gone. Um, and it showed up in my PayPal that I had paid for it. And then today, um, I went to report it like two or three times. And for some reason, Apple's uh, thing where you can report... Uh, usually, you know, you can get right on there and click, you know, report a problem... And they'll have the one thing that says you know i I bought this, I rented this, but it never showed up or whatever, and they'll reimburse you and the page won't fucking even load uh it it uh it'll ask you for your username and password, and I'm already logged in and I know my username and password and you put it in and it just it sits there and sits there and sits there like it's thinking, and then it just goes back to blank uh fields for username and password so that kind of sucks, because I'm kind of being held up there. I'd, I'd actually like to watch those. Uh, I think Wolf Cop just showed up on I, the iTunes store, which I would like to see. But until I get that issue cleared up, I don't want to fucking deal with that crap. You know, I'll you know rent something and the goddamn thing, you know, whatever. So anyway, other than that, it finally warmed up some, so I can put the dogs outside and get some better sleep uh, it, we had all that snow and um, flooding at the same time and ice and everything uh, actually missed actually missed like one day of work just because when I went to work um, there's a big like cliffside that runs along the rural uh, road that I drive on and it had fallen in in two different places and uh, there were all these trucks and uh the tree cutter guys and it's the middle of the night there's snow and ice all over the roads and everything and um uh, my boss actually called me when i was trying to drive and said you know you don't have to come in which was cool um i didn't want to anyway um other than that i don't oh i did read some comics i got this avengers world it must only come out every couple of months. It's it's a limited series. I don't ever remember like fucking subscribing to it, but I must have. Um, I don't know. It's got guys like Cannonball, who used to be in one of those, uh, that, like uh, New Mutants, uh, or not New. Was it? Yeah, New Mutants. the The younger version of the X Men, um, and people like some people like that. and I, I don't know. I started trying to read that one, and I really can't get into it. Um, The amazing X-Men, they finally uh, didn't wrap it up, because I'm sure it's just starting the thing, but who was going to be the new Juggernaut? Uh, They kind of did like a, in Captain America, they did a thing where uh, Zemo and this crew, uh, Crossbones, and these people were trying to find uh, Ulysses Bloodstone's skeleton, Um, and they had like the Bloodstone Hunt and uh, Captain America and Diamondback were going down there and trying to figure out what was going on and shit, and they're kind of doing that where with the with the uh the the gem or whatever that that fucking uh demon has that it turns you into juggernaut that Kane Marco had for a long time, and a bunch of people were looking for that and so you were kind of wondering who was gonna be the new juggernaut well now you know, and it, it was it's kind of like one of those ones where they bring somebody back out of the blue you know all these people that you know are looking for it and then the person that gets it is somebody that comes out of the blue but it's weird because it seems like marvel always wants to they they, they always want to do something where you have like a whole team of people or all the heroes have to get together to fight like this one guy who's gets this omnipotent power you know it's like it seems like it's so overdone whether it's apocalypse or you know whoever the beyonder or galactus or whatever it's always this one you know fucking you know world war hulk where the hulk had all the fucking you know whatever i don't know maybe i'm just getting tired of the same old shit but um other than that i watched a little bit of hockey but i mean like uh you know the penguins are getting beat all the time and the, but they're they're actually in the playoffs or going to be in the playoffs the flyers fucking suck dick the cat or um The Maple Leafs suck dick. Everybody's sucking dick in hockey that I like, so... Not much going on there. Okay, I watched a few movies. Um, I'm hodgepodge in it, and then the two that I... I kind of have decided the tenuous, tenuous link thing. I talked to Large William the other day, and... I'm thinking about getting away from the tenuous link thing between the two movies. It might be fun to just try and create a tenuous link while I'm on the air, but I'm not going to put too much effort into saying, okay, I'm going to find this movie the and this one kind of links to it this way because it just, it, it's kind of, it just takes up a lot of time trying to figure out what the fuck you're going to do when you can just, you know, pick a couple of good movies or whatever. So, um, A lot of the stuff I watched this past week uh, was on YouTube, the free movies that they have on there. And like I said, I encourage everybody, if you have like a, uh, especially older movies, if you have a favorite actor or director, just uh, put in the search field, like, um, I don't know, Eli Wallach full movie. And it'll bring up all the eli Wallach movies that are on youtube for free uh now i did run into one thing that you have some some i don't know if they're stores or they're just people that wanted that are trying to get you to to go to their website to get a movie because i was trying to get um, charlton heston's l seed um this is this huge epic uh I, I actually want to just go ahead. It's a, for some reason it's out of print. It was like, it was hugely successful. It made all this money and everything, uh, giant, spectacular, um, uh, epic. And it's out of print, I think. And so, um, but it showed up on YouTube. There's a whole bunch of things. Like if you put in L SID, uh, or L seed, uh, first or full movie, there's a whole bunch of them, but when you click on them, it tells you, you know, you know, go to this other site and you can watch this movie. You know, I'm not doing that shit because there's too much free stuff on there. If I'm going to do that, I'll just go to Amazon or uh, Amazon and find a used copy of it on um, DVD or VHS and buy it. But I looked on there, and and uh, most of them are either like a new price or they're real expensive because it's out of print. So anyway. Um, I watched, speaking of Chucky Heston, or I don't know if Charlton, would they call you Chuck? You know, Charles, they call you Chuck or Charlie, so we'll call him Charlie. Char-Charlton. Charlton Charlton Heston from 1952, uh, a King Vidor directed movie, uh, Ruby Gentry. Now, this is uh, like a Warner Archive movie. I'd never heard of it. And I just put in Charlton Heston full movies and these movies came up uh because i got in the mode to watch some charlton heston um now he's one of these ones like you know whether it's john wayne or you know modern day be like mel gibson or john void or something like that whom uh, you might not like their um political views or like roman polanski you might not like the fact that he raped somebody or curl or something but uh you know you want to watch you, you know you separate that from the art and um you know, you might like the movie. And Heston's one of these guys that um, I grew up watching when I was a little kid because of Planet of the Apes and uh, Ten Commandments was always on, you know, around Easter and, um, I don't know, they just like lots of different movies that he was in. Oh, I ate so much. I ate a whole bunch of cabbage um, this morning, and I haven't had anything to drink since I got up. And while I was just talking, I got really nauseous, and I thought, felt like I was going to vomit. <laughs> but i'm going to continue if it gets worse i'll pause and go get something to drink i put a bunch of spices on it so maybe that's what it is and i'm kind of parched um so anyway uh ruby gentry um it was written by arthur fitz richard uh, screenplay by sylvia richards and it uh, stars jennifer jones Charlton Heston and one of my favorites uh Carl Malden. So, um I gave it a shot and I think now I haven't read the book, but I I I'm betting that the book was kind of like one of these ones that was scandalous, you know, hot and steamy and scandalous. And <laughs> so at this time, you know, there's only so much they can do because of the codes and stuff. Like if they made it today, it would probably be more like the hot spot with Don Johnson and uh and uh the what's her name, Virginia Madsen. But um it's still good it's pretty good, you know, for the time. It's like one of these movies, uh, like some of the ones I watched this week were older movies and if you just kinda, you know, say, Okay, this is what it is from that time they had some restrictions and the, how you know the, the how you know, the, the different uh acting styles you know uh some people might say like what you know charlton heston uh, oh, he wasn't a, a great actor or, or you know but he's a movie star and i don't think he's a horrible actor i he he's he's not quite like a william shatner kind of an actor but he he's I don't think he's really wooden. I think he's more like one of these guys that uh, maybe he he was from the stage, so like a Gregory Peck or somebody like that. He's got this presence. He's got a great look, and um, his style is more you know uh, like a stage uh, from the from the fifties. Um, uh, got this Charlton Heston, you know, Histon, you know. Um, but. The the whole gist of the movie is um he comes from this like rich family that would probably have like, you know, polo ponies and fucking um like the country club and him and all his rich uh they're 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 from I think South I think no, I think North Carolina. But it's like the rich elite of North Carolina. Like they go hunting and stuff, like hunting deer and stuff like that, but but it's all of the you know these kind of uh, rich guys and and um, they they look down on uh, you know people that are poor. Ooh. Ugh, ugh. But uh, if I throw up on it during the podcast, it'll like make history because I'll you know I'll, I'll record the whole thing. Um. But he has he has a girlfriend and they're in love, but then there's Ruby Gentry, who is kind of like a... I mean, she's not like a gate, like that movie Gator Bait, where she's like, you know, hey, what's going You know, and, you know did, did I ever show you my pussy? And stuff like that. Or like a fucking baby doll, you know, the simple-minded chick that was cock-teasing Eli Wallach and Carl Malden and fucking baby doll. Um, but she's not like that, but it's just a, a social stigma... That they, it, they pretty much say like you know people say straight out well you can't you know her, R- Ruby Gentry uh, and Charlton Heston is uh, Boke Tackman <laughs> what a name Boke Tackman uh, Carl Malden is Jim Gentry um it's pretty much just understood like he wants to fuck her she, she she's like kind of like cock tease him and stuff like that and he's horny and he you know and they flirt and everything and but she always she won't let him go all the way uh she wants him and he wants her but she she's like you know if you're gonna get this you know you gotta fucking like beyonce you know if you like it then you ought to put a ring on it And he's like i can't put no ring on it ruby gentry because you know you're fucking white trash and and uh you know i'm from the you know i've got my I'm from the elite or whatever, but he wants it bad, man. He, he's always trying to fucking get in there and she's always fucking blue ball him, which is pretty funny. Um, and then, um, it goes through some generation, like, uh, you know, through some, um, uh, period of time because then he ends up marrying his girlfriend and Ruby Gentry's kind of like, God damn, that son of a bitch. <laughs> I've been cock-teasing that motherfucker. And he still keeps coming around, you know. But she's still, you know, she, she'll go out in the woods with him and shit. But then when he tries to get it on, and she fucking, like, point a gun at him and stuff. He's you know, put it back in your fucking pants and everything. And Char- Chuck's getting fucking frustrated. So it's pretty good. And then Carl Malden's, um, at, like, the nice guy in the town. And he loves Ruby. And, you know, Ruby kind of doesn't look at him that way, but then you know, once Chuck gets married, he, she's, she's like, well, you know, okay, might as well hook up with fucking, Carl uh, Malden. And then shit happens. But, it's not bad. It's, like I said, if it's, it's you know, from the times. And, it's, I, I'm, I'm not sorry that I watched it. I thought it was pretty good. It wasn't great, but it was alright. Uh, now, another Charlton Heston movie from 1972 now one of the reasons of course like I said I don't to want to watch Charlton Heston movies but back in the early 70s and then kind of into the mid 70s um, they made all these movies that were these like all star casts and uh, especially like um, uh, disaster movies like Irwin Allen with the Poseidon Adventure, Towering Inferno Airplane um, uh, or I'm not airplane? Airplane was the was the joke movie about you know the parody movie, but like an airport and then Airport '77 and all this shit. Um, well, this one uh, and Charlton Heston was in. He was in Earthquake. I don't. Uh, he might have been in one of the because uh, Airport actually had some sequels. I can't remember which if he was in any of those. I know Burt Lancaster was in the one one of them and uh, the first one and Dean Martin and uh, George Kennedy. But um this one is called Skyjacked from nineteen seventy two and it was directed by John Gil John Gier- Gillerman, Gilerman Uh and it was written by David Harper. I guess he did a, the novel, so it must have been a you know I don't know. It's kind of funny that it's a novel for some reason. I, I wouldn't think it would be. I thought it would be just one that they threw together. Um, it has a pretty good cast. Uh, like, you know, like I said, like Towering Inferno had like Steve McQueen and Paul Newman and all these people. This one has a pretty good cast. It's, it's um, not as... It's kind of a lesser airport. Uh, you have Charlton Heston who plays the, the pilot, uh, Captain Henry Hank O'Hara, uh, Yvette Mimue, uh James Brolin, who is really young in this, Claude Aikens, uh, Susan Day, Lori Partridge from the Partridge family, Rosie Greer, who played on the Fearsome Foursome of the uh, Los Angeles Rams and was the bodyguard for Robert Kennedy when, uh, when he got shot, uh, Marriott Hartley, who was famous for being in those... Um, I guess like Kodak camera commercials with um, James Garner and some. I mean, she was in a lot of TV shows stuff. She's you know a good looking woman. Uh, Walter Pigeon. You just have a whole bunch of of people in this. Um, now the deal with this one is, like I said in the in the early '70s, you had a lot of hijackings, like uh, uh, Carlos the Jackal. I talked about like last week where these you know people were hijacking these planes to Uganda, to Cuba, to Russia, and all this stuff. So it was a big thing so you know that they, they were making these these uh all-star disaster movies and this was one of well kind of a not as much a disaster as it was a almost like a Alistair McLean kind of a movie where it's just an all-star cast and there's like a lot of tension and shit like that. Um and basically what happens is um you load up the <laughs> the 747 or whatever plane it was and um somebody writes on the mirror in the in the uh bathroom like the ladies bathroom with lipstick on the mirror that there's a bomb on the plane and they're going to blow it up if if they don't divert the plane so First of all, you have a certain part of it where they're just trying to figure out who the fuck it is, because you know once when they first get on the plane, everybody's talking and everything, and then you go back and you think, okay, who was acting weird or why? They start giving you breadcrumbs, and they establish like you know strangers will sit beside each other and start talking, develop a little relationship or whatever, and you get everybody's backstory but then you know it's like what the fuck's going on you know and they don't know if it's a hoax or whatever and charlton heston mike henry who played uh kowalski in the green berets and also played um he was in one of the, uh, like a what tarzan movie he's the one that the actual chimp in the fucking movie fucking bit him on the face uh and a bunch of other stuff he was a football player too you know he was uh, heston's co-pilot um and you're trying to figure out who did it for a while you know for like maybe the first quarter of the movie and then when you find out who did it it's 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 not bad it's it's pretty good you know they they build the tension and and they keep it going The fun part is like watching how things have changed um, you know like you can't smoke on an airplane and here Gerald Neden is he's the fucking pilot and he's got a pipe in his mouth he's fucking smoking. Uh, at one point, he, he actually is like, joking around with Mike Henry and he fucking blows a big puff of smoke right in Mike Henry's face, <laughs> which is funny. And one of the funny things that I think it would be funny is if he was like smoking a fucking bowl. It actually had like weed in it and they're up there flying. But that was just something I threw in there because I think it would be funny. Especially with Charlton Heston, you know, he's like with such a straight edge guy and everything. Um, he just came from a different generation. Um, but then also, um, I think it was Marriott Hartley was. Uh, pregnant in the fucking movie, and so she's like by herself, and she's on the plane, and she's pregnant, and she asks she's like nervous, and she asks the fucking waitress for a Bloody Mary. Now, who the fuck would ever think these days? You know, like showing like a woman and 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 not thinking in it, like it wasn't like the stewardess was like, I, you know, you're pregnant, I can't bring you any alcohol. She goes, okay, I'll get it right to You, you know, you gonna get that fetal alcohol uh, syndrome fucking started on your child, Marriott. I always thought it would have be, been, you know, they always people always wondered if her and uh, James Garner were like a couple in real life. Because in the Kodak TV commercials, they were always together. And people, it was like Aaron Neville and Linda Ronstadt, they sang that song. And everybody thought, you know, God, they must be in love the way they sing to each other. And it was like, no, nah, it's just a fucking song, you know. Nobody ever thought Elton John and Kiki D were, were in a relationship, I don't think. So anyway, that was pretty good. Skyjack, that was on YouTube, also for free. Check it out. I got away from Charlton Heston. I watched something new. Uh, directed by Bennett Miller, 2014's Foxcatcher. Um, this stars uh, Steve Carell, Tatum Channing, and Mark Ruffalo. Um, I read the book. Well, there's there's a couple of books. Like uh, Mark Schultz, the one of the uh, main guys in the movie... Uh, he wrote his own book but the one i read was called uh fatal match uh i encourage people to check that one out especially i mean if you like this movie uh read the book because there's so much more in it but also it's just it's a good book um it goes uh, you know they're pressed for time in any movie so they can only show so much um it was a true story. Uh, you had Mark and Dave Schultz, who were two brothers. Uh, I think they're the only two brothers to win gold medals um, in the Olympics. Um, and um, Dave Schultz was, you know, one of the best amateur wrestlers of our time. He was, a, he was a, uh, also a coach and uh, just phenomenal. And Mark was a great wrestler, too, um, in his own right. Uh, I don't know if I would say he lived in Mark's shadow, uh, but I think Mark probably was just more, uh, for, especially from what you see in the movie, more like accessible and, uh, uh, like had his personality was more of a nice, you know, generous person where Mark was kind of a partier and stuff like that. But he was still a great, you know, athlete and, uh, you know, top level. I mean, the Olympic gold medal, you're, a, a, you know, fucking elite. Uh, and, the it, it the movie you see a lot of stuff where they build up you know uh they kind of give you a an idea of the power and the uh, wealth of the dupont family uh and john dupont was uh one of the sons and um they they were one of the richest families in the world and he was like a fanboy of amateur wrestling and um he was kind of a what what they call in like pro wrestling a money mark where he was a fanboy he liked hanging out with these olympic uh, wrestlers and uh, wrestlers from all over these different countries he was like a big uh for some reason he he uh really was a fanboy of the bulgarians and he you know like became friends with several of the bulgarian wrestlers and uh he would wear like a bulgarian uh track suit that he got for, that they gave him and everything. Uh, and he, he had the, this, you know, overwhelming amount of money. So he created this, um, uh, training center for the Olympic wrestlers and Kurt Angle actually went there and trained. And, uh, you know, if you, if you, uh, see any interviews with Kurt Angle about Mark Schultz, cause Mark Schultz, he, he considered Mark Schultz, one of his coaches, uh, as far as the Olympics goes. Uh, and you know he was really broken up about what happened, you know. Uh, but he he created this and this place, and uh, because amateur sports at that time, uh, you know, there there wasn't a lot of money in it. And uh, you have this guy who's basically his family's like billionaires, and he 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 the the place that they had for training was, you know above and beyond anything else in the United States. So he got all these amateur wrestlers to go there and train for the Olympics and for World Championship Pan Am Games and all this stuff. And he let them live there, stay there and everything. Well, um he had some problems, you know, and uh mental mental problems and um it there's just uh, you know, there's probably a lot of people some people that haven't seen it yet, so I don't want to go too far into it, but it's a good movie. Uh, I know that a lot of people know that I am not the biggest fan of Channing Tatum. Um, I thought he did a good job in this movie. Um, I still don't think he's like any kind of a great actor or anything. I mean, you know, he plays and, and I know Mark Schultz was, was, uh, he, if you see like, um, when they were making this movie, he's got pictures with him and Mark Ruffalo and Steve Carell and, uh Bennett Miller and Channing Tatum and everything. When the movie came out, he was pissed because of how they portrayed him, how Channing Tatum and how Bennett Miller portrayed him and made him look. I actually had somebody last night, um, one of my friends that watched the movie, come up to me and say, you know, Jesus, was was this guy like mentally challenged? Was he supposed to be, you know, not the, you know, the PC word you know you're not supposed to use but he this is what he said to me because was he supposed to be like mildly retarded or something and i don't think he was but i think that they kind of portrayed some stuff there and some stuff with the relationship with him and john dupont uh that kind of made it look uh like some stuff they kind of gave like a that something there might have been going on there that wasn't so he was really mad about that but anyway uh, check that one out it's really good Foxcatcher Corral everybody did a good job in that I I really liked it Uh, let's see next thing I watched I guess I fell back into another Charlton Heston (laughs) fucking my my Chuck Fest I watched 1965's The Warlord um, directed by uh, Franklin J. Schaffner Uh, and this stars um, oh god this is the not, not the movie, my stomach. Um, Charlton Heston and Richard Boone. And you have Rosemary Forsyth is the main chick and Maurice Evans. Um, you also have um, Bud Spencer and uh, Terrence Hill are in those. Uh, very young. Uh, which caught my attention, uh, you know. I, I didn't realize that, and I was when it when it came up it's in these old epics, they they run, like they'll run the titles with uh, the score at the beginning, which nowadays they you know you get right into a fucking movie and then they show all that shit at the end, which nine times out of ten you don't even stay and watch. But in the older movies, you know, they would play the score and and it would run through all the you know the starring you know da da da, da and everything, and um, so I was like, oh, holy fucking shit, you know, there's a uh, Terrence Hill and Bud Spencer both. You know, the they were always a kind of a team and this was way back nineteen sixty five. Um this was pretty good. It kind of you know, like Ruby Gentry where uh you know she's kind of cockteasing Charlie. Uh in this one, um, these knights, uh, they go and they kind of uh or they're they're actually given by the king a certain domain to rule, you know, to rule over for the King, uh, to, you know, protect the land and make sure that nobody's poaching and doing shit that they're not supposed to do and paying taxes and all this crap. And, um, so Charlton Heston is, is given by the King, this certain area. And it's almost like Ruby Gentry where he's like the elite guy, you know, and he's got his, his army of knights and everything and, um, squires and all this crap. And then um, the locals that live there are considered, like, lesser. They're, like, serfs or whatever, and, you know, they have to serve. And if they're caught killing a deer, you know, that they're not supposed to have, well, that was the king's deer, and, you know, we're going to give you 50 lashes or put you in prison and just... Bullshit, stupid crap. But so when when you look at this, it's called the Warlord, and you know if you see like the the cover of, of some of the posters and everything, it's Charlton Heston with this sword and everything, and you think oh, this is going to be some badass shit. They're going to be fighting and hacking and stuff, and there's a lot of that in here, but uh, it's mainly revolves around this relationship with this chick. Because he gets there and he's so busy fighting and all this stuff that he hadn't gotten pussy for a long time. And Richard Boone's always like, man, you need to get some pussy. You know, you haven't haven't got any pussy for a long time, you know. And Charlton is like, I need some pussy. He's actually more like, you know, I don't have time for pussy. You know, I I have my hawk and my sword. And they all wear these, like, fucking... uh, monk like haircuts like somebody put a bowl on top of their head and then shaved around it so they just have this hair on top but then nothing on the sides and it looks kind of stupid Um, but um, he sees this chick who's like you know one of of the lesser class and he's like god damn look at that woo shit but (laughs) she is promised to another and, uh, but then they come up with some kind of bullshit code. I don't know if they, that, they the, the people that lived there were pagans. And, um, Heston, you know, tells, he talks to his council and he says, you know, I want that fucking pussy. And they're like, listen, she's getting married tomorrow night and you can't have that pussy because she's getting married. And, and he tries to get her several, several times, uh, And she kind of rebuffs him or he kind of, he, he, he like cock teases her. Like he puts it out there and then he like kind of backs off and shit. And they're playing like little games and they tell me, you know, Hey, she's getting married, you know, tomorrow you can't, you can't get her. He goes, well, I want to get her, you know? (laughs) So there, it's almost like the, the, um, Oh, what do you call it? The, the office of legal counsel, that the president has, that you know, all his lawyer shysters that say, okay, well, you know, well, I want to torture people. Well, you know, we can't torture people it's against the law, but what we'll do is we'll we'll change the name of torture, and that's not against the law. We'll call it, uh, instead of calling it torture, we'll call it a strawberry ice cream cone, and the strawberry ice cream cones aren't against the law. So we'll, we'll fucking, you know, strawberry ice cream cone people. Meanwhile, that means uh, pulling their fingernails out so that's kind of what he does the, the, his office of legal counsel or his um they, say, they look at the druid laws and there was some law there that said that the lord of the land could have the chick for like one time as payment or some bullshit so Chuck gets the fucker and then uh, he's like he says okay all I want to do is get some of that pussy I just wanna, he just wanted to wet his beak just to get it one time well, then, once he gets it, he's like, "God fucking damn, I like that shit. That was some good pussy." So he doesn't want to get rid. Re- he won't. Doesn't want to let her go back. And they're in this castle that's out in the middle of nowhere. When they got there, there was no moat and everything. So they're building a moat around it. And, and he's like, "I'm not giving this pussy back. You're staying here. This is some good shit." So, um, all her people come together and they're like, listen, asshole, you know, you pulled them shena- those shenanigans and we let you have some, we let you, you know, dip your beak in there, but, you know, you can't, you can't keep that, that's a, that's ours, that's, what's his name's here, you know, so then there's like a whole bunch of fighting over it, <laughs> fighting over that puss, it must have been some good shit, that's all I gotta say, because uh, he was like, I don't give a fuck if you kill everybody here, I'm not giving this back. It's so good. <laughs> okay, moving right along. Now this is uh that was also on uh, YouTube for free, the Warlord. Uh the next thing I watched was <laughs> the next thing I watched was on it's a Netflix movie uh documentary from 2013, uh called Generation Iron, uh directed by Vlad Uda- Udan. Now I think what they were trying to accomplish here was to make a modern-day pumping iron that Schwarzenegger made back in the 70s. Uh, (laughs) Now, I work out, and I'm kind of mixed about certain things because, okay, everybody's body is their body, and what they do with it, if they want to pump their body full of steroids, performance-enhancing drugs, whatever... As long as they're not hurting anybody else, you know, more power to If you want to smoke weed, if you want to do heroin, whatever. Um, The only thing that... It's almost like pro wrestling in the kayfabe era, or when the kayfabe era was going away. Everybody knows that you can't look like this without doing shit. Everybody knows that you can't be that strong. You can't be that cut with that much mass. These professional bodybuilders and fitness people, and um, even the CrossFit people, uh, Olympic athletes, all these athletes, football players, baseball players, everybody that's doing all this shit. But you look at these bodybuilders, and even comparing them to Schwarzenegger and Pumping Iron back in, the, I mean, they these guys look like freaks. I mean, even compared to him. Um, the women are have just taken it to such a level that they actually have created like two divisions. You have the freak division of the female bodybuilders, and then you have the fitness girls. And people will be like, oh, I like them because they're not on that stuff. They don't look like men. No, they're on it. They're just taking different shit, right? But the thing that I kind of am against is... These guys saying, you know, I just have great genetics, or I watch my diet, or they tell you, you need to lift like this if you want to look like this. Well, you could lift like that all goddamn to do da day and you ain't going to look like that unless you take what they take. They are drug users, uh, and they're enhanced, and they're selling you their snake oil, They might say, hey, eat this uh, big jug of protein powder and this uh, thing for your electrolytes and this for this and this for this. And GNC's making a billion dollars off this shit. It's not regulated by the Food and Drug Administration. And now they're going in finally after, I mean, it's like they're selling all this stuff in magazines, on TV, dynamic weight gain and all this crap. And they're going in and they're starting to test this stuff and they're finding out that some of it, like, uh, it's like, the old snake oil salesman back in the old west or whatever this shit doesn't do anything some of it doesn't even have what it's supposed to have in it it might just have like flour in it and you're it's like a placebo effect you're taking it's like god damn look how big i'm getting and it's just because you're taking it and you're working out hard but you're still no you could take everything in gnc you can buy the whole store and take it religiously every day and you're not going to look like these guys because they're on anabolic steroids, they're on human growth hormone, they're on all this shit. Insulin and all different kinds of stuff. Um, so that's the only thing that I really have a problem with is that they'll, they won't they will admit that what they're doing, um, even these CrossFit people and shit like that, uh, they won't admit what they're doing because then the the ones that are in the magazines and on TV and in these movies and stuff like that, they'll lose their endorsements because like GNC, if you say, well, hey, you know this shit's crap, I you get this syringe and shoot it into your muscles and 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 you'll, you know, whatever. Nobody's going. They're going to be like, well, wait a minute, why am I taking this garbage? And they're making money off of it. You know, that's how they, you know, from the sponsors and uh, people that, you know, whether. The, the supplement people and all this shit. Uh, so it's kind of like a bait and switch and like I said, snake oil. When you watch this movie, Mickey Rourke uh, does like the narration, which is, I was just like, Ugh, because he's doing, I mean, you know, you look at him in some of these movies and he just could be completely jacked and everything. Um, it's, it's a lifestyle. Like I said, if you're not hurting anybody else, I don't give a fuck what you do, but don't tell me that you uh that babe Ruth uh you know you're on the same level as him when you're taking all well Babe Ruth drank. Well goddamn drinking's a fucking depressant, you know, how the hell's that help your reflexes, you know, where is this shit? So anyway, I don't want to get too much into that, but it's it's laughable watching these guys and uh like this one dude. He is what was his name? Um uh, Oh shit. Uh Kai Green he goes to the subway with, like, a Phantom of the Opera mask on and these little short shorts, and he's got, like, a robe on. He drops the robe, and he just starts posing, and it looks so stupid. And these, I mean, this is just my opinion. I'm watching this shit, and I'm like, oh, my fucking God, dude. He goes up to the wall, and he's doing, like, these poses where he looks like uh, Jennifer Beals from Flashdance, like, uh trying to be seductive-looking, and he looks like... Uh, it just looks so damn dumb. But anyway... <laughs> If you want to watch it, if you like bodybuilding and stuff, it's probably for you. I don't think it it was anywhere near what Pumping Iron was. Pumping Iron, you had Schwarzenegger, uh, his charisma, plus him manipulating like a storyline, which made it more of a of an entertaining thing to watch. Where this is just like, ugh, it was it was just stupid. <laughs> anyway, the next thing I watched was uh, also on uh, YouTube for free. Uh, Yul Brynner in *The File of the Golden Goose* from 1969. Um, this one stars uh, uh, Yul Brynner. I almost said Charles Bronson. Yul Brenner and uh, Edward Woodward. Um, it's got a whole bunch of people. If you watch uh, like some uh, uh, cinema like uh, from Great Britain, uh, you'll recognize some people in here. Uh, the, I don't. I wouldn't know them by name. Uh, but I've seen them in lots of different stuff. This is also known let's see. Uh no. This, uh, the box cover has a another like a French name, but it's uh if the box is I think a uh two movie set. Um this one's pretty good. It started out kinda slow and I was like, okay, this isn't gonna be very good. It was um let's see. The screenplay it says written by uh John C. Higgins. Uh, and Robert E. Kent um, but when I started watching it I thought, okay, this isn't going to be very good but then it kind of takes off and what it is is a, a movie about uh, counterfeiting um, th- there, Brenner is an American and there's some stuff that goes down in America uh, and these uh, c- uh, uh, counterfeit money is involved and they find that um it's this uh counterfeit ring in uh England. So he gets sent over there to uh, find out what's going on. And, you know, he's he's kinda like a dirty, hairy kind of a guy or a Charles Bronson kind of a guy. And, you know, when he gets over there they're like, well, you know, you can't carry a gun and um you know none of our cops carry a gun and then they want to strap him with this uh, Uh, young partner and you get a lot of the uh the british stiff upper lip uh kind of a thing where you know he's kind of um you know he's an american and cynical and everything and they're they're you know smiling and 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 he's like i don't want a partner it's like oh no don't worry old chap you know i won't get in your way and everything and they actually let him carry a gun and they ask edward woodward if he wants one and he's like i you know "Ah, don't go in for the uh for the bang bang stuff and everything Uh, And they infiltrate this mob of um, of uh, counterfeiters, and it's kind of like peeling back the onion because they don't know. They're trying to get the head guy, but they don't know who he is. Uh, They there was another counterfeit uh, group that only had like three or three guys in it, and they had arrested them or uh, been chasing them, and they all got killed. So then they said, well, okay, well, what we'll do is we'll say that Brenner and Edward Woodward were part of that crew and there's nobody that can confirm it because they're all dead. And then we'll have them start flashing counterfeit money around and this and that and to get in with these other ones. It's not bad. Like I said, when you first start watching it, you might think it's kind of sl- – it's not a great movie, but once it gets rolling, it's, it actually uh, ends up being pretty good. It's got it's got a lot of, some action, a lot of you know good stuff in it. I liked it. I never even had heard of it. Uh, next thing I watched, and I like Yul Brynner. I, I he's one of these ones that I always kind of try and find just about anything he's in. Um, but uh, next thing I watched is another YouTube freebie from 1973. This was a TV movie, um, uh, "The Blue Knight." Now this was written by Joseph Wambaugh, who did like you know a lot of different uh, you know police uh, novels and movies. And uh, it's it's good. Uh, the one thing that now they may ended up uh, spinning off of this uh, made a TV show called The Blue Knight that starred George Kennedy in the the same role as William Holden in the movie uh, Bumper Morgan. And uh, the one thing about this one is, like I said, it's a TV movie, but it's got a hell of a cast. You know, William Holden's like one of the big actors. Of the '50s and '60s, I mean, all the way to, you know the '70s with like uh, you know network and and uh, all these you know uh, Bridge on the River Kwai, Stalag 17, and everything. And he's in a this is a made-for-TV movie, but it's really good. Um, I remember when this was on, you know, as a little kid and everything. Um, I almost wish that they could have made this uh, in the theater and you know where they could have done some more with it uh i can imagine like you know uh, at a time when they're making like dirty harry and movies like that that uh they could, it it could have added a lot more uh oomph and a lot more grit and teeth to it um but it's a made for tv movie william holden is uh bumper morgan his uh girlfriend in this is lee remick who i just adore uh, uh if you haven't seen sometimes a great notion With uh, her and Paul Newman Henry Fonda And uh, Michael Sarazin Check it out That's a fucking big recommend for me It's one of my favorite movies Um, Joe Santos from the Rockford Files You have Sam Elliott in this Now I don't know if this was like his first role But it's got to be pretty close Because he's very young He plays a detective He doesn't have a mustache He's almost unrecognizable You have Eileen Brennan Who plays a stripper in this And she's got some pasties on her boobies Um, Vic Tabak Ann Archer, um, it's Jamie Farr's in this, Corporal Klinger from MASH. <laughs> but um, basically what the storyline here is, is that uh, Bumper Morgan is uh, a beat cop in, uh, I think, L.A. Yeah, L.A. Um, and, you know, nowadays you see every, all the cops are always driving around in the cars. Like around here, you know, everybody's, all the cops are in cop cars and everything. Well, you had, back in the day, you had the beat cops in, like, New York, the big cities and stuff like that where traffic is horrendous and it's not practical to be driving around in a car. Of course, you still had radio cars in Los Angeles, but you had the beat cops, which were just guys that had a certain area, uh, and they would just, like, you know, just walk around. You know, they'd walk up and down the streets and say hi to everybody and, you know, talk to the shop owners, and at night they would they check the, the doors to make sure they're locked or make sure there's no, nothing going on. Uh, of course, like I said, in 1971, you had a lot of, you know, hey, fucking pig, and, you know, you uh, police brutality, pig, 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 and, you know, it's kind of the, the hippies against the straights and the pigs and everything. And, I mean, you know, there was a good reason for a lot of that. There's a lot of that shit going on today. Uh, Bumper is uh like for for uh, a guy who's a beat cop he's he's pretty old you know that's usually something like in Serpico when he first started Al Pacino they they made him a beat cop and it's like a lot of the young guys but you always had like the old vets that would do it uh that was their life they didn't really want to be a detective they liked the you know kind of just uh that was what they did that was their job and he's getting close to retirement so he knows all the ins and outs i mean he knows what to look for and what to do and he sees like something happening where you might just walk by and think nothing of it but he's like oh shit you know i can tell something's going on in this place and um his girlfriend lee Ramick, wants him to they she wants to get married and his deal is he's like you know ah eh, you know his his job you know he's married to his job and he's never been married before and he he doesn't want to commit because he doesn't want to get you know if something would happen to him and the hours he works and everything but she's kind of putting some pressure on him and saying you know hey i love you you know and you're getting on and i want to my you know she wants to have a kid and whether it's adopting or having a kid or whatever and he starts thinking about it and and, uh, he sees like, uh, Vic Tabak is, is another older cop and he's getting ready to retire. And he's like, you know, when are you going to retire? So it's kind of like you got that storyline going on. And then you have, uh, it's almost like the, the, uh, new centurions with, uh, George C. Scott and Stacy Keach, where you just, you're seeing the everyday stuff that they see, you know, whether it's, uh, somebody shaking down somebody, uh, or prostitutes that they have to deal with, or, um. Uh, like um, somebody kills somebody, and he is trying to find out, you know, who murdered this girl. Or um, street stuff, like meeting, you know, he, there's a young boy that he meets, and he kind of takes a liking to him. And the kid lives on the, lives on the street, shining shoes and stuff. But it's pretty good. It's um. Like I said, if it would if it would have been made for the theater, you know, with a cast like uh, William Holden, Lee Remick, and uh, some of the people that had, it, I think it would be it would have been way better. But it's still good. It's it's a little bit dated. And then when you're because it was a TV movie, uh, you have a lot of hard cuts where you can tell, okay, this is where they put in the, you know the commercials. Um, let's see here, but that you know it's worth a watch, especially if you like William Holden. Um, let's see. Next thing I watched... That one, like I said, is free on YouTube. I watched The League of Gentlemen from 1960. Now, this is a recommendation from The Bryn over at the Hamicus Podcast. I bought this a while back, and this was probably the main reason I bought a region-free DVD player. Uh, because he, he gave this such a high recommend, and... I saw the cover art and everything, and I was like, holy shit, that looks fucking like it's right up my alley. It looks really good. And um, I had bought a couple of DVDs on, I think, Amazon or eBay, uh, and then when I'd get them, it would be like a a different region, and I'd be like, fuck, I didn't know that, and it wouldn't play. Well, you know, I bought this region-free DVD player, and it works just fine, but I never took it out and used it. And this thing's been sitting there with a wrapping on it forever. And I thought, you know, okay, hell, I'm sitting at home. It was during one of those snow days where, I mean, it was like three days I was stuck. Um, so this is why I was watching a lot of these fucking movies this week. Um, I watched this one, and uh, it was really good. I liked it a lot. Uh, it's one that uh, I think is kind of a, almost like an unknown. I'm surprised it doesn't have a, uh, it hasn't been released over here. Um, uh it's it's a caper movie or a heist movie for sure. Uh, Jack, it's got a nice cast: Jack Hawkins, Nigel Patrick, Richard Attenborough, uh, uh, just a a bunch of uh, British actors from that time, and it's, uh, that are really good. Um, what happens is um, this guy uh, Hyde or Mr. Hyde, um, he contacts um, these ex-military guys. And they don't know him, and he doesn't know them. But he he contacts them, and he's and uh, he has a proposal, and he says, "Hey, you know, let's meet at this place. I have this proposal. If you if you if you show up, uh, you're guaranteed, you know, such and such. Say, say he says like in American dollars. If you show up, uh, you're, I'll you know guarantee you know two hundred dollars or five hundred dollars or something like that. Just to listen to my proposal. So they all show up, and uh, you get a um, he he tells him, he says, you know, I, I read this novel. It was an American novel about a bank robbery. And his idea was, he's like, you know, well, he also sent each one of them this book. And he said, read this book and show up at this place. And and I'll give you such and such amount of money if if as long as you sit there and listen to my proposal. And he says, you know, I read this book and, you know, it's entertainment, but I think that a well trained uh, group uh, that's used to that, that has trained to do shit like this could pull something like this off and They some of them scoff at him and, everything, and then they start saying, thinking about it because you're, you're set up with like uh, some of them's home lives might not be that happy or they're not making any money or they're unemployed and when they were in the military they were the top guy whether it was at different things they're used to taking orders thinking strategically and everything so they put this whole thing together and it's it's good. I mean it's like I said I don't know why cuz Ocean's 11 was a lot more like lighthearted but you know there's so many different uh, bank robbery or heist movies and stuff like that but uh this one's a good one and um I don't want to go too much into it if you can find it I'm sure you can probably find it on Amazon. Uh, uh, like I said, with a, like a different region, region two or whatever, region two, region three or whatever, or f- through other means. I don't want to go too much more into it because um, I'd rather have people that haven't seen it check it out. Uh, it's got a, it's. I, I recommend it. Bryn hit a hit a. Uh, it was a good recommendation from the Bryn. I wish it's just one of those ones that like. There are several different times that I've talked about it on the show before where. You know, you go to, uh, well, they call it Gabe's around here, or, um, uh, what else, Big Lots, or Flea Markets, or you buy stuff on Amazon or eBay, and or even get it from other means, and you got all these movies, and they just sit there, and you don't watch them, you don't watch them, you don't watch them. And, you know, then when you finally watch it, and especially if it's something somebody recommended, and they're telling you, listen, this is really good, watch it. And uh, you put it off and put it off. Uh, there was a Jean Moreau... Uh, movie I bought on VHS and it sat on my coffee table I'm telling you for probably a year and a half and I finally put it in and it was fucking awesome Um, but that was a good one Um, next thing I watched was another um, YouTube freebie from 1971 now uh, League of Gentlemen like I said that was not YouTube or Netflix I I bought that one Um, uh, this is called In Broad Daylight it's another TV movie from 1971 and uh the thing that caught my attention on this one, uh, was of course it's uh stars Richard Boone, who I've said on the show before, I really like. Uh Big Jake, uh um uh, Oh, we reviewed that one with Brando. And I can't remember what the book it's called off the top of my head, but um uh, I like him in just about everything that he's in. Um this also stars Suzanne Plaschette, who was a little hottie. Uh, It stars Stella Stevens, who was a fucking super-duper scorching hot hottie and mother of Andrew Stevens, who some of you might think is a hottie too. Uh, John Marley, who played um, the uh, uh, waltz, the uh, uh, Hollywood director in The Godfather that ended up with a a horse's head in his bed. Um, Okay, the storyline here is, and like I said, this one is kind of like... um, Blue Night, where when you're watching it, you can see the, the hard cuts for commercials and stuff like that. Um, I think, again, this one would be another one if they would have made it for the theater with the same uh, cast where they could do a little bit more. It would have been even better. I like the storyline. Uh, what it is is uh, Richard Boone is an actor, and um, he uh, goes blind and he's married to stella stevens um and that would be like a curse especially if, if you were blind the whole time and you never got to see her now if you know stella stevens when she was young and you had your eyesight and you saw her and you had sex with her and you got to see her naked and everything and then you went blind okay well then you can imagine what she looks like and still be like wow um he goes blind and um he has Suzanne Plachette is his like nurse and therapist that's helping him uh, learn how to deal with his uh, being blind. And um, Stella Stevens is his wife, and she uh, is a hoe. <laughs> Boy, is she ever. So anyway, she's, she's fucking his, I think it was his lawyer. And he ain't no dummy you know it's like one of those situations where I mean I've been there a million times myself where the chick's telling you nothing's going on even though like and and when you go into detective mode and you have like evidence that's like yeah there is but they're still fucking full of shit you know they go into the the, the hoe mode which is uh, my friend Todd told me he said never admit anything I think Richard Pryor had or was it Eddie Murphy that had the thing you know even if they catch you in bed fucking the girl you say hey it wasn't me um so he never really tells her that he knows, but he knows. I mean, he I think he accidentally like walked in on him or something, uh, and um, they were screwing. And um, But he was in the other room, but he heard him and everything, and he left. So then he starts plotting and planning his revenge. And uh, I don't want to go into it. Uh, this one is on YouTube for free. But it's interesting because he's a blind man. So the way he plots his revenge, you know, it's kind of like he has the perfect alibi. Because, you know, he's like, nobody would suspect him because he's completely blind. Uh, But I like it. The only thing I didn't like is Richard Boone, at one point in his career, he started wearing bangs. Instead of, like, combing his hair back, he started wearing bangs Almost like the bangs that he had in uh, The Warlord with Charlton Heston. And he just looked, his hair just looked stupid. It didn't look good because he's the craggiest looking motherfucker. He's got the craggiest face. I don't know if he was trying to be hip or not, but it was bad. (laughs) So anyway, okay. Next thing I watched was another YouTube freebie. We're going, this is like memory lane. Sylvan Gold. No, I, I shouldn't say that because every week since I've been doing it, by myself. I mean, I have brand new stuff that I watch too. Uh but you know, my taste lies a lot towards uh classic movies. Um so you'll get like some uh, uh, uh a lot of brand new stuff or stuff from like thir- 2013 or 2010 through 2015 and then like old shit. Because that's just, you know, I just like I, I, I like the nostalgia of it. Um Even some of these movies that aren't that good uh, because they are from uh, when I was like a little kid, even like some of the ones from the 50s, well, those would be the movies that they showed on TV in the afternoon or even in, you know, Sunday night at the movies or Monday night at the movies when you only had three channels, but uh, or Saturday afternoons and stuff like that. These were the kind of movies, even the chiller theater ones. They may have been 10 years or uh, even maybe 20 years before I was born, but they were the ones that they were showing on TV that I grew up watching. Now, this next one is from 1959 by another actor that I like, who, again, like Charlton Heston, isn't a great actor, but is a great, um, has a great presence and a great look, uh, Victor Mature. And I did a Google search for Victor Mature first full movies, and uh, one of the ones that I came up with was Hannibal. Or uh, the other title or, uh, name for it is Anibal. Because <laughs> I guess you don't pronounce the H unless you live in in America. Uh, Anibal. So this is the story of um, Hannibal uh, marching his uh, soldiers across the Alps uh, with his elephants. Uh, and they're going to go fucking fight, uh, what was it, the, the goddamn Romans... Greeks or whatever, I think it's the Romans. Anyway, <laughs> not up on my history. El Gora and those guys are that that are, you know, really big on there. I get the Romans sometimes and the and the the Greeks mixed up, but it's the it's the Romans, I'm pretty sure. Anyway, um so and I think that he wasn't Hannibal Spanish or am I thinking of El Cid? But anyway, so he brings like his army across the Alps, and they're like, ah, oh, here comes this fucker. You know, it's almost like Genghis Khan or uh, Alexander the Great, where he's marching across Europe, and um, they're like, ah, oh, he would never do this. He can't make it over here. You know, you can't bring these fucking ant elephants and this whole big army across the Alps. They'll all get killed. And he has, he's audacious enough to to do it, and it works. And he loses a shitload of guys, and you know, people falling off cliffs and stuff. And it's funny because. Um, this one to me doesn't seem like it's as big budget as say um, greatest story ever told, Ten Commandments El Cid, Cleopatra and stuff like that so they only have so much that they can do they really want to play up the elephant stuff but it's fun to watch how they try and stretch the budget Because they might have had like five elephants and Hannibal, who knows how many he had. I don't know if he supposedly had like hundreds or how many he had. But they probably had like five that Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus uh, uh, lent them. So they would have like the same five of them side by side and take up the full screen. And, and, you know, the elephants, you can train them to do stuff. Now they can be, you know, like protecting whether they're being territorial or protecting their young and stuff like that. I mean, an elephant can stomp the shit up, but of course they don't want, and it's brutal to see in real life if you ever see like on YouTube and stuff like that. But, you know, they have these animals controlled and everything, so they have to try and make it look like they're destroying these Roman centurions. (laughs) And, you know, you ever see, like, in the circus where, like, an elephant will pick up a girl in his trunk and it'll just be, like, carrying him around? Well, they'll do that, and the guy's, like, going, ah! But, you know, the elephant's not fucking squeezing anything. Or the elephant will – that's another thing they do in the circus where the guy would lay there and the elephant would put its foot, like, inches away from his nose and they do that, and the guy would be like, ah! And then they, they're they shooting these fucking arrows at these guys that are riding up on top of these elephants, and the arrows just look like they're nothing. You never see an arrow st- They had one elephant that had a little bit of blood on its forehead, but the arrows don't stick in any of them. Uh, and it just looks bad, because the elephants aren't even running fast. They're not rampaging and everything. Victor Mature looks good at this. I mean, there's a point in time where uh, Hannibal uh, ends up with an eye patch, which is big-time GGTMC. He looks pretty cool. But um, this one, it, it it's kind of, like I said, kind of low-budget. I don't know. I think this one was the one. I'm sorry. I said that the Warlord had Bud Spencer and Terrence Hill in it. Uh, it's this one. Uh, Hannibal has Bud Spencer and uh, um, Terrence Hill in it. And, uh, of course, Hannibal, like in uh, a lot of these um, big uh, sword uh, epics, uh, from the time they can't just have, you know, the combat and shit like that. They have to have a love story. And that's, this one is the one where Terrence Hill is with the girl and he's a Roman and, um, and, um, what's his face? Uh, Hannibal sees this chick, and he's like, I want some of that pussy, you know, I'm Hannibal. And, you know, I got these elephants, and, and Terrence was like, oh, and he's kind of like, oh, uh, oh, you can't do this, you know, and everything. And he's like, ah, God damn it, get over here. And um, But he's kind of a gentleman, a little bit, more than I probably would have been, and more than he probably was in real life. This one's worth a watch, just because it's funny. Um, jump on jump on, hang on, here comes the avenging Hannibal and his crazed elephant army, that's on the poster so anyway, it's it's funny just watching him try and make, make something on a lower budget with a couple elephants <laughs> and I'll t- I will say something about I think it was Warlord maybe, the copy of it they have on YouTube I thought it was my fucking TV um, my smart TV there was like a like a lighting problem there was like this football shaped light thing in the middle of the screen but it wasn't my tv it was just like the print and it looked like shit but i watched it anyway because it's free me. um i will say this it never let me down like itunes did um next thing i watched was another victor mature movie from 1947 uh, kiss of death and this was directed by henry Hathaway. Uh, who also did uh, a lot of uh, westerns back in the day. Uh, He's a pretty famous director. He's the one that uh, I think made Dennis Hopper snap uh, when he was in old Hollywood in the studio days, and he kept telling him to pick the cup up and set it down, and Hopper would pick it up and not do it the way he wanted to like 200 times, and Henry Hathaway kept making him do it until he finally snapped. Um, this one, Victor mature. Let's see who else is in this. Well, definitely Richard Woodmark cause he has a, an iconic role in this as Tommy Udo. Uh, this fucking crazy psychopath with this giggle, uh, when he gets ready to kill people, he fucking giggle and act like get the crazy eyes. Also, Carl Malden, who again is a big fave of mine and probably everybody else's cause he's great. Uh, Brian Dunlevy. um, Colleen, uh, Gray is the, um, the, uh, femme fatale I guess he, uh, well she's not really a femme fatale she's the nice girl uh, that uh, Victor Mature is with um, he is uh, Nick Nick Bianco and basically what his deal is is um, he kind of he's a criminal but he's like the criminal with a heart of gold he's got a family at home and kids, and, um, because he, he's, has a felony record, um, he can't get a job, because everybody asks him, hey, you know, have you been in trouble with the law, and, you know, of course, he'll say, well, I've been in jail, or whatever, and they said, well, we're not going to hire you, <coughs> so he, um, the only way that he can make money, suppose you know, I guess is, um, is, um, through robbing places, so he has, like, a little crew of a couple of guys, and they, you know, go and rob uh, like jewelry stores and stuff like that. Well, he gets pinched. And um, they want him to roll over on some people. And he's like, you know, I'm not rolling over on anybody. I'll I'll go to prison. He had went to jail before. And that's why he had a criminal record. And he wouldn't tell. They went, come with, come, the DA came to him before with a, like a deal where they'd say, you know, if you name names, we'll let you off the hook. And um, he almost like an Omerta kind of a thing where he won't do it because it's against his code. And also, um, in the one situation, one of the guys, I think that he was in, in it with, uh, squealed and the bosses sent, um, Tommy Udo, Richard Woodmark to his, uh, mother's house. And that's when you first see Richard Woodmark playing the the psychopath. And he takes the woman, the old woman's like in a wheelchair and he, and he, uh, uh, I think he, he takes like a cord off of a lamp or something and rips it off and he ties her to her wheelchair and then he fucking pushes her down the fucking steps, which, you know, I mean, my God, 19 or 1947, that's something that I'm surprised with the, um you know, the code and everything that they would let them do something like that. But it, like I said, it's, it made it for like an icon. It's almost like, um, um Hitchcock's, um, know oh, what the hell's the goddamn norman bates psycho you know it's that iconic like almost like the shower scene in psycho that, that you know how iconic that was the, the richard woodmark <laughs> he throws this fucking old lady down the steps is horrifying even now you know you're watching like jesus christ so woodmore or uh, victor mature he ends up um deciding that he's going for his kids and you know all this shit he's going to um uh, become a um and inform it. and they let him out of jail, and he gets in with uh, with uh, Richard Woodmark's character because he had met him one time before, and, and he he hooks up with him, and they start running around together and shit. Good movie. This is a classic noir. Uh, if you haven't seen it, uh, like I said, it's free on YouTube, and uh, it's definitely worth a watch. Again, Victor Mature is one of these guys that I just you know I, I'd like to see a lot of the stuff he's in a good, a a great presence. Um, and I don't think, I don't know if he was ever considered like a tippy top level guy. Uh, but he, I mean, he, like I said, he was more of a movie star. The main, the first thing I ever saw him in was when he played Samson and Samson and Delilah. Like I said, when you're a little kid, they used to always show movies like that all the time, Easter, Christmas, and shit like that. And, you know, just, Just being a young boy, you know, going back to that uh, documentary, uh, Generation Iron, or pumping iron and uh, lifting weights and working out and everything, you know, I always admired like uh, the thing from the Fantastic Four, he was this big strong guy, Uh, you know, like I said, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sergio Oliva, uh, these bodybuilders, um, Ken Patera, the wrestler, uh, Bruno San Martino who was a big you know powerful strong guy um, sailor art Thomas you know the, all the guys that had the physiques or that were like big strong guys are the ones that you know when you're a little boy you look up to and um, so Samson that was one thing you know when I was a kid or uh, Steve Reeves and Hercules Unchained I remember watching that at my uncle Stevie's house <laughs> you know where they take the uh, you know Samson they, they blind him this this fucking. Delilah, you know, it's just like another thing that you can relate to, or like a chick fucking just fucks you over, and and he tears down the, the, the temple, the 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 fucking uh, the pillars, you know, with his strength from God, and uh, you know, Steve Reeves did the same thing as Hercules, oh wait, wait a minute, why are all these mytholo- all this mythology running together how come these stories, you know, kind of do the same thing um, but um, that's the first thing I think I saw Victor mature in, you know and um, but the next thing is is another big strong guy, uh, definitely a movie star, not not a uh, a great actor, but uh, uh, he could he could be a, another Samson. It's 1988's Above the Law. It's, uh, directed by Andrew Davis, written by Andrew Davis and Steven Seagal, and starring Steven Seagal, Pam Greer, Henry Silva. It's got a nice cast in it. Sharon Stone. We reviewed this one. On uh, the show, I'm pretty sure. So I'm not going to say too much about it because we already reviewed it. But it's just so fucking awesome. It was on uh, AMC. Uh, I think when I posted, it, I said that it was on uh, on this, but it was actually on AMC. And I caught it uh, about the time where um, Fox, who was Segal's buddy in the CIA, played by of course i can't oh uh chelsea ross um i i just turned it on right at the part where he had the gun on seagal and then silva shows up with uh his goons plus the fucking douchey uh bartender guy cia bartender Ronnie Barron, and i got to see silva fucking get tortured and Silva's or I mean Seagal get tortured and Silva fucking doing his thing while he's taunting him while he's tied to the chair. It was so fucking awesome. I mean that fucking movie's it's a classic. I don't give a shit. That movie's fucking awesome. Yee! <laughs> Seagal. He's so funny. Um somebody posted some pretty decent pictures of Pam Greer this week, by the way. Uh which looked really hot. God she was definitely a looker. Goddamn. Okay, another brand new movie that I watched that I put off for quite a while it was on Netflix, and uh, like I said, it was kind of snowed in, so I thought I'd give it a whirl. Was 2014's The Interview, uh, starring James Franco and Seth Rogen. Um, I don't know. I just didn't. It, it got so much hype over the North Korean thing. First of all, I thought that probably a lot of that was uh, self made. Uh, hype to where they could get uh, a lot of exposure, which they did. They got a ton of exposure for this fucking movie. And then, you know, I think it might have been in theaters, but they released it to Netflix like when all that shit was going on for free, so I don't know. Okay, I started watching it, and I'm not the biggest fan of Seth Rogen. I can take him in kind of small doses. Uh, James Franco... I like, um, how he approaches filmmaking and he does interesting stuff and he's, uh, not, um, he's, he's challenging, challenges himself and, and, uh, some of his comedy, like I'm not into as much like a lot of the stoner stuff that they do. Um, there's stuff in it that's funny, but it just doesn't, you know, it's kind of like, eh. I don't know. It just doesn't work for me. This it's it's so over the top with the silliness. it's almost like when they would say in a tag team match. Like uh, remember Bill Watts saying about Brody and Hanson uh, before he uh, they became like big and famous in Japan when they were first starting out and they were young. Uh, young he had them in Mid South, the the place that he promoted, and he said uh, he broke them up because when they were teaming they weren't entertaining the fans they were entertaining each other and it kind of like is the way that the nwo got in wrestling where they were going out there doing these promos and they weren't really they were like just trying to crack the boys up in the back and tell and like make jokes and inside or stuff like that and this is the way i feel like these movies are like it's too much uh them just kind of cracking each other up and you know, wink, wink, not even as much wink, wink stuff as they're just doing outrageous stuff. And I don't know. And that's the way this started out. When I started watching, I was like, Oh my God, this is bad. Franco was really bad. He was trying to be so over the top that it was just like, it wasn't even funny. Now I watched the whole thing. And once it got rolling, uh, there was some stuff, especially at the end that was really uber super violent and graphic, uh, gore and shit like that that was actually funny and I like that and I like some of the stuff with uh, like Katy Perry and stuff. Also some of the stuff like when they had Eminem, Marshall Mathers and Joseph Gordon-Levitt. They threw in these little cameos which just did not work at all and they sucked. So I can't really recommend this one. It's, it's worth I guess it's worth a watch. It's got some funny moments it just did not work for me at all. Boo. Okay, and I think that's all I had on the what have you been watching. Now I'm going to go over to the two feature films of the week. Okay, and the first one is a big time classic uh, from 1959. I actually bought a four movie John Wayne DVD set. Uh, they sell these at Walmart and, uh, I bought it on Amazon. Um, uh, somebody had a used one on there really cheap and I, th- and I like these because like I said, you know, for a cheap price, you're getting four DVDs. A lot of them have, if they're, if they're these classic movies, they'll have extras. Uh, they've been like remastered and everything. They look really good. And, um, they're the kind of movies, you know, you know, a classic, whether it's like, uh, Paul Newman in the, in, um. Cool Hand Luke, or the Hustler, or Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid, the Sting, stuff like that. Steve McQueen, different guys like that, where they'll have these iconic roles. And I just like having the movies uh, because they're ones that I can watch over and over and over. And like I said, uh, I think I may have said last week I bought a uh, a uh, <sighs> must be getting ready to go back to sleep. Uh, a, a new portable DVD player. I got the one with the biggest screen that I could find, which was thirty thirteen and a half inches, Sylvania, um, and uh, just because I have so many DVDs, I thought, well, why not? You know, uh, instead of paying to rent these movies on iTunes, um, and uh, I can just go ahead and use the library of films that I have if I want to watch something uh, where I'm, uh, you know, not at home, and uh, carry it in my little man purse whatever you want to call it my my messenger bag i went from the uh i had a backpack for a long time still have it but it started kind of falling apart and i was at target and uh, they had these um like it's almost looks like a world war ii uh it's that khaki kind of canvas looking uh sort of messenger bag deal it's great for or, or you know like a computer uh uh bag or whatever because it's perfect for a laptop or a, an ipod uh and it's pretty good size, but I—I I, it has literally turned into my man purse because I have a razor in there, I have a deodorant in there, I have fingernail clippers, I have extra headphones. Um, I'm trying to think what else. I mean, just about it. I'll always like I'll have a couple of cans of fucking uh, smoked kipper, <laughs> smoked herring in there, or uh, some can of a pineapple, my iPad, all this stuff. So I I was telling uh one of my friends at work, uh one of uh my friend Gina, I said, you know, Jesus Christ, now I know why women carry purses all the time. I said it fucking is awesome <laughs> And then some of my friends will be like, Oh it's your man person. They're carrying a fucking backpack that they carry with, with just the one strap over their shoulder I'm like that's the same thing as you have over your shoulder, but yours is a is a quote unquote backpack. So anyway who gives a shit? Uh, <laughs> but this is a uh, 1959's rio bravo directed by howard hawks um starring john wayne uh dean martin ricky nelson angie dickinson walter brennan ward bond it also has a uh, young claude akins harry Carey jr who was uh, must have been friends with john wayne and uh henry hathaway and then because he was in a lot of westerns with them um this is an old classic. Now, I've said before on the show, I think that uh, you know, when I was a little kid, John Wayne was my favorite actor. I watched all John Wayne war movies. I watched all the John Wayne westerns. Uh, I loved John Wayne. I thought he was just the most awesome. I wanted to be John Wayne. I thought he was the greatest ever. Um, I still, I mean, he's another one. He's a movie star. Just had those classic good looks. I was thinking about this the other day with uh, like Jeremy Renner playing Hawkeye in... Avengers and uh like De Niro, Pacino and you had a generation of actors where what was considered manly or um classic movie star good looks Robert Mitchum, John Wayne um these uh you know whether it's a uh, Gregory Peck or uh even Henry or Henry Fonda and these guys and they were all I think almost all of them were over six feet tall. Now you had guys like Alan Ladd who were like short, but th- there for a period of time, like and I always thought you know it's funny because like John Wayne in all his movies he's like the tallest guy in the fucking movie pretty much unless there's like a big guy that he has to fight, uh, even like a George Kennedy or somebody like that that's physically his match or even like Robert Mitchum. Uh, he he was the tall uh you know hero guy and uh and rock hudson was the same way big tall strapping guy um, and um they got away from that i remember reading in a book where they said in the um in the late 60s and the early 70s they went to to short and ugly which was uh de niro pacino you know james con was really short uh Duval and all these guys, uh, you know, the, 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 they're still, you know, a lot of great actors, but they went for a more realistic look, and a, and I guess maybe kind of like a more vulnerable look for a guy. Um, and I think they've kind of gotten to that point, it kind of got to an extreme where it's like, okay, God, can you put somebody in a movie that's like, know, you know, it's almost like prejudice against, tall manly men guys i don't know what i'm trying to say but um so anyway um this is a classic western um it kind of has the same siege like feel that you would have in like a high noon or assault on precinct 13 or uh, you know God, there's so many siege movies. This is—I uh, don't know if I would say this is one of the originals, but it's—it's got to be pretty close. You know, it's back in the day where um, the town sheriff is—he—he's um, uh, the stoic, uh, like I said, tall guy that you—you you really don't want to fuck with. He's fair. He doesn't—he's not a bully or anything like that. He's like Buford Pusser. He walks tall, but everybody pretty much likes him uh, except. Um, you know the 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 guys that break the law, the ones that are, or the um, the cowboys that come into town and get drunk and want to shoot up the town or start fights, and he'll come go in and knock shit out of them and take them to jail. But more than likely, the next day after they've sobered up, he'll you know give them their hat and their gun and say, hey, you know, okay, well, go ahead and go whatever. Um, but uh, Claude Akins, uh, like I said, who's pretty young in this, um, he is the brother of the. The, like the rich guy that pretty much runs everything i don't know if he's like a cattle baron kind of a guy or what and he's in town and um he starts some shit in the bar and um a guy comes over and is like hey man you know calm down and he just pulls his gun out and shoots the guy point blank in the stomach so he's just a you know he's one of these guys that he's probably drunk at the time because he was he was fucking with dean martin dean martin is like kind of like the town drunk he was a um, I think he was a deputy and he's he was known to be like fast with a gun and everything but a chick broke his heart and uh john wayne they were buddies and he had even told him he said don't get involved with this chick you know she's no good and he's like oh i love her i love that pussy <laughs> and uh so then she broke his heart and he just fell apart he he just drank himself into a, a stupor and walks around just dirty, you know, his fucking coat and shirt's got holes in it and uh, and um, he's a full-blown alcoholic. Like, when he goes in the bar, he doesn't have any money because he pretty much is just like a beggar and um, uh, people in the bar will fuck with him and he'll be sitting there like watching him drink and just licking his lips because he wants to drink so bad and Claude Aikens just starts fucking with him and, and uh, takes a big glass of whiskey, or a big, sh- it's a shot but he fills like all the way a big big glass and uh just drinks it and holds it up to to dean martin like here you know like he's uh, teasing a dog and when dean martin's like licking his lips and shit he just drinks it and then he takes a uh silver dollar out and he throws it in the spittoon full of spit juice you know tobacco juice and spit uh like you know okay if you want you know you can have this and get a drink with it but you got to fish it out of there and they were laughing at him and so john Wayne or uh, somebody says you know hey that's uh, an Claude Aiken shoots the guy. Well, then John Wayne shows up, and he kind of is disgusted by by um, Dean Martin, his buddy, and um, he he basically tells him, you know, to, to, to fucking clean up. He's pathetic and get the fuck out of there. Well, Dean Martin gets pissed and fucking hits him over the head, And um, but the Duke is a big dude, and, you know, even though he's staggering and shit, he still fucking uh, gets to his feet and... And uh, takes Claude Aiken to jail. Well, then it's like almost like Tombstone with uh, Kurt Russell, where you know they got one of the they got the rich guy's brother locked up in jail, and he comes in with all these men, and he says I'm gonna get my brother out of jail, and they're 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 not really like overt, like they're like. It's just one of those deals, like John Wayne will still go walk his rounds and stuff like that, but uh, they're kind of fucking with him, and he has to be real careful. And uh, that he doesn't get ambushed and everything, and he's got Walter Brennan. Hey, Walter Brennan? He talks like this all the time. What are you doing over there, Chance? And he walks around with a limp, and he was kind of overbearing. He's he's an old school uh, Western guy. You know, you've seen him if you watch westerns. You've seen him in a million things. And if even if it wasn't him, it was somebody playing the Walter Brennan part. You know, well, Pappy, you know, I come over here. You he don't have any teeth, and you know, but he's like a uh, Dean Martin's kind of like old sidekick. And so he has him wait in the jail with his uh, shotgun. And he says, if anybody comes in here, just blow the shit out of Claude <laughs> And he's like, I will. I'll fucking shoot him. I don't give a shit. I'm crazy. <laughs> <And> <laughs> so then um, Chance, I think his name was, what, yeah, uh, no, yeah, John T. Chance. Because uh, when I said Chance, I, I thought, well, his, I don't think his first name was Chance. Like uh, Chance Boudreaux in a uh, hard target uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme. Uh, John Wayne is John T chance, but everybody just calls him chance. Well, I think Angie Dickinson calls him John T all the time. Cause he wants to get her and she wants him. Um, but, he's like walking his rounds and everything. And then this young chick comes into town and it's Angie Dickinson. And she looks like she's about 20 years old. She's fucking hotter shit. Just so pretty. And you know, she doesn't have blonde hair in this one. She's got dark hair, but she is just stunningly good looking. And she's, she plays the role of, um, uh, if you watch gunfight at okay. Corral, uh, with, uh, uh, Lancaster and Kirk Douglas. She's the chick that comes into town. It's almost like the same kind of the same story. She comes into town and, uh, and she's a a, female, a woman gambler and uh, Wayne has uh, some uh, wanted posters they're just drawn you know, but it says like you know this uh young uh, girl female gambler and they think she might be a cheat and and then he has this other guy that's the same way and they work as partners and everything so he's he doesn't know if it's her or not, but he's suspicious. Well, then that just gives them some interaction, and then he's like, you know, goddamn, man, she's hot, you know, and he's he's like, ah, I got so much shit going on, I don't know if time, but man, man, you know, man, I'd like to hit, I like to get some of that, and she's like, ooh, you know, he's so big and tall and strong, and you know, and he's just like the all all American guy, and he's he didn't take any shit, you know, and um, heroic, you know, and uh, she's 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 got her sights fucking set on him, and he's kind of, I mean, he's he wants. If if it would be like a a boring day, like if there was nothing going on, he'd have been like, "God damn, you know." Woo-hoo. He probably would have been kind of shy and backwards about it a little bit, but he would have been tapping that. But he's got so much shit going on; he's worried about getting murdered, and you know, and nobody in the town's helping him. Um, uh, what's his name? Um, Ward Bond, who was like a, actually a, a really good friend of John Wayne's in real life. I think they I think they played football together or something like that. Um, but they were in a lot of movies together. Um he actually is a buddy of John Wayne in the movie and he brings his men into town. They're um uh, they ha- they're they have like a of wa- a- they're transporting this wagons full of something, I can't remember what it was. Man, I don't know if it's a dynamite or what the fuck it was. And um he brings his men into town and John Wayne's like, Man, there's some shit going on and you know, you, you don't I don't want you guys to get involved because um he's like I can handle it and he doesn't want to see anybody else get hurt. Uh, and Ward Bond's like, well, you know, you're, you're, you know, well, you're my buddy, and he goes, well, I'll respect your wishes and everything, but, uh, he's got a young guy with him that is Ricky Nelson, the, the actual son of, uh, Ozzy and Harriet, he was on that show, and he was a musician, he had, you know, pretty big hits, like Garden Party, and, uh, I can't remember some of the other ones off the top of my head, but he had a, a good amount of hits back in the day, um, and, um, he plays Colorado and he's like a, he's a young, uh, young guy. Who's like quick with a gun. And he's the son of somebody that John Wayne and Ward bond knew, but I guess I think his dad got killed or something. And so John Wayne's kind of getting a feel for him, see if he's a dick or if he's a little smart ass and everything. And Ricky Nelson kind of, he's pretty much out for himself, but he's not a dick. And John Wayne kind of respects that, uh, and he suddenly here and there through the rest of the movie, even though he says he doesn't want to get involved, uh, after something happens, he starts kinda of helping John Wayne a little bit here and there. And Dino, Dean Martin, um, uh, he it, it ends up being Walter Brennan's in the jail and he's always well, you're in the jail, you bring me some some whiskey and you know, and I'll put my shotgun in Claude Aikens and taunt him and shit. And, <laughs> and he's always fucking they're always fucking with him. He's like almost like comedy relief. Uh, John Wayne's always mouthing off to him and talking about his teeth and shit. And uh, uh, Dean Martin decides he's going to go on the on the on the wagon and not drink, which is funny because he's a he's a he's a total alcoholic. Like he'll get the DTS and shit if he dries out. But they just act like it's no big deal, like to drink beer. And when you're an alcoholic, you can't drink anything. I mean, it's not it's not like well. They they talk about beer like it's root beer, you know. Well, you know, no, I can't, I can't have that whiskey. No, no, I can't. I just can't. His hands are shaking. Well, here, have a beer. You know, it's still alcohol. I guess it's not as potent, so maybe that's what they're thinking. They'll they kind of wean him off of it or whatever. Um, but so he decides he's going to straighten up. So one thing's cool about that. He looks like shit at the beginning of the movie. He looks like dirty dingus McGee, uh, and. Um, so he finally, when he decides to clean up, they get it. John Wayne had kept his his guns. He had this real cool uh, set of like two guns in these black holsters, and he kept it, all these old clothes. So he actually gets to where he's looking kind of cool. And I always like Dean Martin in, as an actor, you know, in these movies. He had a presence. I mean, he wasn't like a great actor, but he had a charisma and a presence. And and in these westerns and stuff, he was pretty good. And then as Matt Helm, uh, he was good in that too. And he always kind of had like a light-hearted thing in this one. Now in this one, he's not as much funny because he would always kind of do like when he was with uh, Sinatra or in the Matt Helm movies, he would be more like a kind of wink, wink at the camera, tongue in cheeky kind of guy or whatever. But uh, he plays it more straight in this one. He's he's not bad. Um, so it's uh, it ends up being Chance John T. Chance, which is John Wayne, dude. <laughs> Who is Dean Martin. He just gets by dude. I guess he was the uh, big Lebowski before there was uh, Jeff Bridges. Uh, Colorado, Ricky Nelson, and uh, Walter Brennan. And they're, and they're like, uh, hanging out at the jail. And then they'll go do their rounds where the like, John Wayne will walk up one side of the street and Dean Martin will walk up the other side. And if anybody tries to ambush him, they'll be like, hey, watch out. Pew, you know, shoot the guy. Um, now... Uh, Angie Dickinson hangs out at the hotel, and when John Wayne wants to get some sleep, he goes over there, and at first he says, you know, just going to get some sleep, you know, so he'll go in the room, and she'll sit outside the door to make sure nobody tries to get get to him, and then ends up, he ends up, uh, I think, fucking her. Uh, There's a couple times when Angie Dickinson, he'll walk in, and she'll have, like, pantaloons on, she'll be getting undressed, and she won't even, like, cover up or anything, you know, and I mean, the whole goddamn thing, she's got, like, these hose on and these like pantaloon things which which are like i don't know what the fuck it, but they cover everything you can't see shit but she still manages to make it look good now there's one part in it where he walks in on her and she's going to go down and do a show she decides she's not going to be a gambler anymore and she's going to go down and be like an entertainer and part owner of this bar like the whore with the heart of gold i guess and she's got like a lid tart on with this hose and he walks in and i mean she looks fucking hot and um but then he decides that he wants her to be his woman so he doesn't want her to he only wants her to dress hoey for him and she pretty much is just saying you know i'm only dressed like this for you anyway so whatever um but it's a it's a for the time uh it's a great iconic western everybody i mean john wayne looks great his hat is cool uh, he doesn't really use his pistol. He uses like uh, one of those lever action thirty thirties that has the big Wrangler lever on it. It's like a big round lever that you can kinda whirl uh when you shoot. He used that one in a lot of movies in um uh Stagecoach and uh Rooster Cog or uh, not Rooster Cog Well, probably Rooster Cogburn too, which was the sequel to True Grit, but he used it in True Grit. A lot of different movies like that. Um Ricky Nelson was good in it. I mean, there's times... You can tell he's not an... Well, I mean, he... Well, I shouldn't say he's not an actor because he, he was on that TV show, uh, Ozzie and Harriet, fucking forever when he was a little kid. So he grew up in acting, but he's not a great actor. But there's times where he's trying to be cool and he's got this thing. It's like, you know, when Steve McQueen would fiddle with his hat or just do little subtle things, Ricky Nelson, when he's talking, he's always rubbing his, the side of his nose or whatever. And I don't know. It, it's not... He's trying to be cool and trying to be, you know, I don't know, but it just kind of comes off like he's, he's trying to be a good actor, uh, but it wasn't bad. Um, there is a uh, Pedro Gonzalez Gonzalez is the name of this one character played by Carlos Rabonte. Uh, and he's pretty, uh. A, a pretty obnoxious stereotype of uh, Hispanic. So that's kind of, I don't know. He, he is the guy that owns the, the bar. Uh, I guess it's just the sign of the times. I, I can't hold it too much against him because, I mean, that's probably the way they said play this part. You know, he's probably gagging his guts out. <laughs> but he's kind of like a comedy relief guy, too. But um, now this one, they remade it. John Wayne actually remade it uh, a movie called El Dorado which was almost the exact same storyline, but it was years later. And you had... Of course, John Wayne played John Wayne. <laughs> he plays pretty much every movie. Um, instead of Dean Martin, you had Robert Mitchum, who was his the, the drunk ex-friend sheriff. Uh, he pl- actually plays the sheriff in this in El Dorado. John Wayne isn't a sheriff. He's just his like, buddy. Uh, Mitchum's the sheriff, but he a woman screwed him over and he becomes an alcoholic. And then uh, uh, instead of Ricky Nelson, you have James Caan, who was like, that was one of his first roles. Um, and uh, Jack Elam plays the, um, the, uh, I think it was Jackie Elam in that one, plays the Walter Brennan part. I, I might be getting him confused because I know Jack Elam was in one of them. But, but uh, anyway, that one, I actually like that one better. This one's more, even though this one has violence in it, it has shooting and stuff like that, it's because it's 1959 it's more has like more of a light-hearted thing like with him and angie dickinson like the the kind of love story going on there and um then you have uh ricky uh, you have dean martin like he's sitting on a bunk in the jail and they're all sitting around and and he starts like singing a song because dean martin's a great singer a crooner or whatever and he starts singing and he you know and at first, when he starts singing, I was like, oh, this is horrible. But I mean, he sounds good. And then there's one part where uh, him and Ricky Nelson, well, Ricky Nelson sings a song, plays guitar and sings a song. And it was a good song. And then him and Dean Martin do like almost like a Dean Martin singing. And Ricky Nelson kind of comes in and they do like a duet. And when I first start, when, I've, when they first started doing it, I was like, oh, God. But then, you know, you take into account uh, the times that this was made plus. The songs were good. Uh, it's it's not bad in Rio or I mean I'm sorry in El Dorado. There's none of that. It's more just kind of a hard, gritty thing. There's some funny stuff in it, uh, but it's more of a of a harder, hardcore, violent kind of more of a movie. Um, this was still good though, uh, and it's worth a watch. It's worth a buy if you if you want to complete your collection of like great great westerns or great movies, but. Um, I liked it. Uh, I'm going to go through the rest of that set uh, and check it out. Uh, I think in that one it's The Shootest, which was John Wayne's last movie. Uh, I think The Searchers and... um, God, I can't even remember what the other one is. But anyway, uh, Ford Apache with uh, him and Henry Fonda. Uh, That's a John Ford movie, and I love John Ford. He made... um, uh, Ford Apache and uh, she wore a yellow ribbons the one that I really like uh, and they both have uh, John Wayne and Victor McLaughlin in, uh, and uh, Maureen O'Hara also is in the one. Um, Henry Fonda is good in the, and Fort Apache is more like a uh, it's kind of like a, a fictional version. He plays almost like a general Custer kind of a character and uh, John Wayne's kind of is like a, a guy in his command that's like Jesus Christ you know this guy's gonna get us all fucking killed. <laughs> okay, well moving on to the next movie. Um now this is uh like I said there there is no tenuous link here because I, I guess I could I could probably almost find one if I really struggled uh to come up with something but I'm not even going to try. Uh this is 1979's Stalker directed by Andre Tarkovsky uh and written uh it was based on the novel on a novel um like I think, was it like a picnic? Oh shit! I had actually already looked all that up, and I can't remember. Um, by uh, Arkady Sturgatsky, Sturgatsky, um, and it stars uh, Alisa Fredininka, Alaskra, Kadanovsky Anatoly Solzhenitsyn. Uh, now, I had heard a lot about this movie. Um, the director is the director who did Solaris, uh, who which I watched, uh, and I think we reviewed um, like maybe a month or so ago. Um, and it was also remade. Uh, uh, George Clooney uh, remade Solaris. Uh, and of course, my IMDb just uh, started uh, when I went to to look at the director's stuff. It's it's kind of thinking, but I can go along from here. Um, I wanted to see this for a long time because I have a uh, kind of a coffee table uh, sort of reference book about the greatest um, foreign films of all time, and this one's listed in there. And I read just a little bit about it, but I didn't want to spoil it, so I didn't really read the synopsis. I just kind of looked at the pictures and then read some of the reviews of it, because before I saw it, I didn't want to know anything about it. And, you know, you see the word stalker, and then with all the pictures that they had in the book, I thought it was going to be about... This was what I'm trying to say is, this is nothing like I thought it was going to be. It has nothing to do with a uh, guy stalking women. I thought it was going to be like some it was going to be like the movie Peeping Tom where it's a guy who gets off on like a, uh, you know, uh, stalking women or or uh menacingly following them or you know if it's somebody that he likes, he won't leave them alone or whatever, nothing like that. It has nothing to do with anything like that. I didn't even know it was a sci-fi movie. Uh, and when I was watching it for a long period of time, um, I shouldn't say I didn't know what the fuck was going on because <laughs> they kind of tell you at the beginning. They have like a, a little voiceover that tells you, gives you a just a brief thing of what's going on, and if it's a sci-fi movie, which it is, it's not like Star Wars or Star Trek or. The premise of the movie is that um, let me look up that book. I want to. I thought it was called like "Like a Picnic." And um, but what it is is um, these aliens have come to Earth, and um, what happens is uh, the, the perspective. Uh, okay. While I was watching this movie, um, it's, one, it's one that I thought, okay, I actually kind of need to go to Wikipedia or whatever and just get an idea of what the fuck's going on here. Now now that I know, I, I, and I did not look up the movie, I looked up the book, Roadside Picnic is what the book by uh, uh, Boris and Arkady Sturgotsky. Um, they said it's based on that book, but it doesn't follow the book. There are now, um, the director of this movie Tarkovsky, I believe said, or somebody said that the only two things that are the same as the book is that there's a place in the book and in the movie called the zone and some of the names that they use, the name "stalker." Um, I can't remember who it was if it was Tarkovsky or if it was just somebody reviewing it or if it was the guy that wrote the book. They said the only two things that they have in common is is the place called the Zone and you, the use of the word "stalker," which is to me is not really true because I mean they do follow the gist of the book. Uh, there's stuff that goes on in the book and names uh, like they actually name the character. In the movie you have like uh, the professor they they just have th- they have like three guys and they go by the name the one guy is uh, Stalker uh, the other guy is Professor and I can't remember what the other fucking guy's name is but uh, Stalker, Professor and Writer and um, the gist of it is um Like I said, the the roadside picnic is – the concept of it is um, when you go – say you go on a picnic and you take your friends and there's like five or six of you or whatever. And you're driving down the road and you see a spot in a field uh, or you go, you know, even like a, a state park or something like that. And you pull off the road in your car and you drive to, like say you drive off the road down into like some field or whatever. I think this is a good place to have a picnic. Drive your car over to the spot. Y'all get out of your car and you lay a blanket down. You bring out all the food. You, you lay it all out and everything. Uh, you might be smoking some cigarettes or hash or whatever. I don't know. You put up a volleyball net maybe and you're playing volleyball and uh, or uh, you go for a walk. Uh, you're eating. You're doing all this stuff. And all the animals in the, whether it's the bugs, the birds, uh, any animals like squirrels or chipmunks, mice, rats, uh, you know, anything, anything, raccoons, squirrels, whatever. Uh, that's their natural habitat. And they live there. And everything is normal and everything's calm. And then all of a sudden, you descend there, they're scared to death. They don't know what the fuck you are. You show up in this big fucking uh, five thousand pound vehicle. You all get out and you're tromping around, you're making noise, you're doing all this, you got food. Uh, you you you're leaving remnants of your being there no matter what. Uh, even if you clean up you've you've stepped on the grass, you've made noise, you've disturbed things. And when you leave, everything that's there, uh, like all the animals hide and they're watching you and they're like, what the fuck? What is this? You know, you've descended there. And then when you leave and everything goes back to normal, it's not completely normal because everything that, like you might have left a cigarette butt there. You might have left a pop bottle there. You might have, like I said, stepped on the grass or broke a, a limb or you're just your scent, a uh, human being scent. Uh, the noise you made, whatever. It's still there. And then they come back and cautiously go around everything. They may even pick up things that might be dangerous to them, but they don't know what they are. Like they might pick up a cigarette butt and take it, like a squirrel take it back to their nest or a bird. Might, uh, there might be food there, and it goes down and starts pecking away at like an apple that's left there, or whatever. Or, or you know, you might have been out there changing the oil in your car, or, or your car might have dripped oil or whatever. You know, anything, antifreeze or something, something that could kill them. Uh, the 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 uh, insects. You're walking around. I mean, say you're an insect, and you're you have your family of insects or your community of insects, and somebody's walking and this giant. Which is you, a human, steps on it, kills a whole bunch of them. It's like a, a fucking natural disaster or whatever. Spill a big bottle of pop, you know, and drown a bunch of them. I don't know. Um, but that's the concept. And the concept is that we are the animals. And these aliens come to Earth. And there's different sites. There's, I think in the book there was like five or six different sites that they call, the humans end up calling zones, the zones, or the zone. In this one, in the particular story, there's the one zone where they live. And the aliens leave, and um, they leave certain remnants of them being there. Now, I'm not sure about the book, but in the movie, you never see the aliens. You never see a spaceship. You never see anything like that what you're seeing is the aftermath and them living, the humans living in a world where these aliens have come. It's almost like a rest stop. Like they may have been going to another universe or going to another place and they just stopped on earth. Like I said, like a picnic, a roadside picnic. And once they were for a short period of time and then they left. So, um, the UN, I guess, has a, um, a, like, a quarantine or whatever around these zones. And that's one thing at the beginning that they don't give you a lot. They don't tell you a lot. Like I said, they have, like, a, a quick voiceover with some Russian uh, printing at the beginning that says, you know, uh, at this certain time, uh, uh, maybe, like, aliens came from another planet, blah, 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 blah. And, uh the the place where they were at are called the zone it's called the zone um so anyway you have these three guys and they they're meeting in this and it's almost it's like a dystopian future uh, because first of all it's shot in russia and a lot of places they go uh, where you'll see like a whole bunch like a graveyard of uh, burn-up tanks and stuff or a town where all the telephone poles and stuff are knocked to the ground, and it's probably a lot of this. A lot of these areas are uh, aftermaths from like World War II, where there was a lot of devastation, burnout buildings and stuff like that. But when you start out, you see these three guys, and they're in this um, in this bar. And the bar is, like, a real shit-all. I mean, like, there's, like, uh, it's got, like, wooden floors, but there's, like, water all over the floors. Almost like there's no roof, and the fucking rain just comes in or something. And it's in this really cool-looking black and white, and uh, they're talking. And you have a certain amount of uh, narration uh, that kind of goes along with it. And I think in the book that it's, it's like, uh, somebody narrating like the whole thing. If I remember reading, I don't, I think that comes to mind, but, um, you have, the story is you have, a uh, stalker, uh, professor and writer. And a stalker is, okay. Like I said, the UN has all these areas quarantined off. And, uh, in this area, there's one zone. Say, So say there's a zone in Russia, there's a zone in Great Britain, a zone in the United States, a zone in uh, South America, and one in Africa. Say there's like five or six of them. Well, we're just dealing with this, um, this zone in Russia. And you have what's called stalkers. Uh, the UN has quarantined off these areas, and nobody's allowed in. But the stalkers are guys that will take you through the UN's uh, quarantine lines or whatever, uh, and they'll, they'll take you into the zone. They go in sometimes just, I think, themselves to, and they get what they call artifacts, which is anything that, like, the, uh, the aliens left behind there's this in the book there's a there's some kind of a goo and if you touch it or if you say like you step in it your legs will just start turning to rubber like literal not getting rubbery they'll turn into rubber and if they don't amputate your legs before it, you, you're you'll it'll kill you uh, there's like pieces of metal and things like that and and people will get them and sell them um uh, you know, just for survival to make money. And then there's chemicals and stuff like that, that people want to get in there and get to, uh, like use as maybe sell and use as weapons, like to weaponize them, like some kind of chemical warfare or biological warfare or whatever. Uh, the reason I was, I was kind of confused at the beginning was these guys meet in this bar and they're talking to stalker the professor wants to go in for one reason and the writer wants to go in for a reason. And Stalker, you know, they're like, okay, well, you know, he knows the way and he'll take us in. He'll get us there. He's done it time and time again. Now, they set up in the book um, these Stalkers will go in but every time you go in um like if you get if the stalker goes in and then he comes out and like uh, has sex with his wife or something and gets his wife pregnant, there's a chance of birth defects. It gets more and more. Uh, you have more and more of a chance of your kids having birth defects and stuff like that. In the movie, Stalker's daughter walks with uh, uh, like the cr- like crutches. She's she's crippled. She was born that way, and it's uh, it's from him going into the zone in the book she has like white thin white hair all over her body and they as a like her nickname is monkey um now they call her monkey in the movie too uh but like i said she's just crippled and he's taking them into the zone well you see them going into these places, and it's just basically... And like I said, I read the you know this is a science fiction movie, and I'm like, okay, what are we going to see? Aliens? Are we going to see a spaceship? What's going on here? And you never see any of that. It's basically a lot of of guys walking through the woods, walking through uh, streams, and laying down in the wet grass, and laying down in a fucking stream, or uh, and they get to a certain point where there's like a kind of like a I guess it's like the UN area that's quarantined off. And these guys aren't like walking around with like uh, the blue helmets and uniforms on. So I didn't know who the fuck they were. And all I knew was they were trying to get by them and trying to sneak by them. And if they saw them, they'd start shooting at, you know, the, the guys guarding the place would start shooting at them. But I didn't know who the fuck they were. So I had to go and kind of read. And I was like, okay, well, those are supposedly UN troops that are, are quarantining the zone. Now, while they're walking, they're talking and you know about and it's just like the like a lot of introspection and stuff uh, there's supposedly a place in the zone that if you go there your your wildest dreams will come true whatever your wildest dreams are it will make them happen and so um, there was a guy porcupine, and stalker talks about this porcupine. And he had went in, and it was hard for me to follow. And like I said, I'm glad that I went, and re- and I, I probably will go back and watch it again, because after watching it, like in the middle of watching it, I had to go to Wikipedia and kind of read about the book and and uh, like just the gist of what it was about and, and to, to kind of try and give me some crumbs, because it's a lot of... Uh, To me, almost a lot of spiritual and psychological stuff. They're just walking and talking. And um, without kind of having a good idea of what was going on, it was hard for me to follow and to follow what they were talking about. Um, I watched it on the disc that I got. It's a two-disc set, and there's a lot of extras. I didn't watch any of the extras, but... They also have um, uh, subtitles and dub dubbing. Well, I was watching it and I kind of, to understand it more, I thought, I didn't put the subtitles up and I watched it with the English dub. And the bad part about that was they only had one guy dubbing it. One voice for all the characters except for stalker's wife so it was hard to follow at times who was saying what because they might just be laying there and they're not speaking it's just a voiceover and i'm like okay and there's three of them laying there and it's like okay is this stalker talking is this professor talking or is this writer talking and then when they're when all three of them are talking it's the same guy talking and so it's okay. Who's saying what? So if I do watch it again too, I think I'm just going to watch it with the Russian voices and the subtitles, uh, that, that might help also. Um, there's a lot of stalker has, it has second thoughts about doing this. I think he has second thoughts about going to the zone anymore. Um, cause it affects him every time it affects his, like his daughter and shit like that. I think he feels a certain amount of guilt. Um, he has talked to other people that have went in. He's taken other people in plus like porcupine and some of the stuff he said. Um, his idea to these guys are that, um, the room in the zone where everything's supposed to make your dreams come true. Um, there's like a, almost like a catch 22. Cause you might go in there and say, okay, I, my, my, um, mother was killed in a car wreck or something. And, I want to bring her back to life. I want to go in. I want to go into the room that makes all your dreams, your, your, your wildest dream come true. I want to go in there and to bring my mother back to life. That's what I want. But when you go in there, this thing, whatever it is that makes this happen, you may be telling yourself that I just want to spend more time with my mother. It was unfair. She got killed in a car wreck or whatever and i want to i want to change that i want to bring her back to life i want to make her healthy or your little daughter that got killed that uh, was stillborn or something you want them to live to be alive but then you go in there and you end up getting all the riches in the world all the pussy in the world a cool car because you may be emotionally telling yourself that all you want is this but what all you really want in your base human mind is to be rich, powerful, or whatever. You know, just stupid shit that that really doesn't mean anything. And like I said, and then also how it just affects you. It affects stalkers. It affects him emotionally. He's really torn up about a lot of stuff. And like I said, watching it again, I think I'll get even more out of it. The more, it's one of these ones, it's even like Solaris is the same way. I think the more that you watch it, um, the first time is just kind of giving you Uh, a simple map of what's going on. And then the more you watch it, it's going to fill it in more. You're going to get more out of it. You're going to get more out of the, uh, out of the, um, the dialogue, the introspection, uh, the, 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 when the guys are just thinking, but you can hear what they're thinking. Um, I would like to read the book too because I think that the movie doesn't spell everything out as much as the book. I think the book gives you more of... Uh, it's more of a bam, 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 this is this, this is this. Whereas the uh, the movie is more, like I said, more psychological, more introspection, more surrealism. Um, and it's not spoon-feeding you. And I think the book um, is going to be more it's going to it's going to spell everything out for you uh, whereas the movie uh, is more of a thinking man's movie where you kind of have to think and uh, feel what they're thinking and what they're feeling. Uh, I know that the ending is different. The stuff with monkey, the daughter is totally different. Uh, what happens to her in the book her affliction plus what happens to her is really different than what happened than than the movie Uh, this is an interesting fucking movie now when I was first started watching it like I said I was really kind of confused in some parts and what's going on and everything and I was like oh god then when I gave myself a little bit of a of a uh, base to go on by by reading a little just a little bit about what it is, so I could kind of have an idea. It's a foreign movie. It's a Russian movie, so um, it just helped me out and it made it more enjoyable. Um, I will watch it again, and I definitely want to watch the extras uh, to see. Uh, I don't I don't know exactly what all the extras are on it yet if they have, I think they maybe have the director talking about it and maybe some of the actors, I don't know, but I would like to go in and watch that. And just so I can find out some more about it. this, the, the, this, uh, uh Andre Tarkovsky is an interesting cat and he fucking is a good director. Uh, even just the visuals, just the way the movie shot and everything is, is really, it really looks good. Uh, I recommend it. It's a challenging movie. Um, I don't know. Some of you might watch it from the very beginning and not have a problem with it. My problem was more, uh, a perception thing and I just needed a little boost <laughs> to get me going. Uh, but I recommend it. I don't know if it is on, I know it's, of course it's not, uh, it's not on iTunes. I bought it on Amazon. Uh, so I don't, I think they may have it on Amazon. Um, like their instant like amazon prime or whatever i'm not sure but it was it's definitely worth a buy it's it's a uh, it's uh, like i said it was listed as one of the greatest uh foreign films of all time uh check it out it's a totally i guess i guess maybe the uh tenuous link between these movies is is that they're there's they're so totally different but um uh that's just two of uh, two you know classics of their genre maybe i don't know um I like these sci-fi movies. That, I like sci-fi movies like Aliens, I like uh or Alien, uh Aliens, Alien, Predator, uh Star Wars, Star Trek and movies like that that are kind of straight up action, action. actiony, uh, almost like a samurai or a western movie but uh in the future. Even movies like Blade Runner and stuff like that. But these kind of movies like this it, it, it's a sci-fi movie um uh, this goes more towards a Philip K. Dick kind of a kind of a movie than it does a George Lucas or Spielberg or anything like that. Uh, check it out. I'm surprised that this is something that they haven't uh, dared to remake. And maybe they haven't. I just don't know it. But, uh, you know, I'm surprised that somebody hasn't latched onto this and even just made the, uh, you know, Roadside Picnic. Uh, made that move, Made the, the movie. Made it more of a straight-up uh, narrative. Anyway, check them out. Uh... Dr. Zom's kind of babbling along here. I think we're about two hours and 20 minutes into this, and I'm going to shut it down because I'm going to need to be uh, hitting the hay again, taking a little nappy-wappy before I have to go to work. Um, It's going to be a short work week. Got to work this weekend. And uh, maybe taking a trip this coming week. I'm not 100% sure uh, for the Horror Hound if I'm going to go or not. Uh, Depends on who's, if, uh, you know, I think if the samurai, I know Emily and uh, Fozzie are going to be there. And uh, I don't know if uh, Ken's going to be there. Uh, Sammy said he might show up. So if the Sammy's going to be there for sure, I might go. I might just go to go on a fucking trip because after all this snow and everything, it'd be cool to get in the in the car and go for a drive. And even if I don't hang out as much at the... Um, at the thing, just going and going somewhere, just to get the fuck out of here for a little bit, but, uh, we're still rolling along, and I just wanted to get another episode down for you, I hope you guys enjoy it, I hope you're enjoying these solo episodes, uh, trying to, uh, you know, just keep it alive and keeping it real, daddy-o, uh, so I'm gonna go in here and get a little something to drink, uh, dogs are probably wet, cause it's been raining all day, but, uh, after all this snow they've been in the house quite a bit and I wanted to let them just be outside where they can bark and look at things and walk or run around the yard and hang out without, uh, being inside. So, uh, this is Dr. Zom calling from state of euphoria in Soviet Russia. I am in the zone right now and my wish did not come true, but, uh, you know, what are you going to do? You can't have uh, a whole bunch of whatever, I don't know, I don't even feel like being funny now, I'm just tired, so I'm going to let you guys go uh, we'll be seeing you again next week uh, we'll see what's going on uh, and uh, watch some good movies uh, forgot about fucking feedback, I need to check the email, I'll, I'll definitely do that for next week And uh, well let me let me uh, pause this fucker now and see what's going on, and see if there's anything in there, see if anybody left us anything alrighty Okay, um, we did get an email from Rolf uh, Eichhorn. Um, <laughs> i read parts of this. Uh, hi, Zom and Loaf, if you're there. He put, uh, if Loaf is here. Um, he said he's got to uh, say he's happy that uh, I'm continuing the show. Um, he doesn't know if Loaf will return. Uh, to a life uh, of podcasting, but uh, he hopes he does. Um, he says, if this show stays a solo uh, one, I want to encourage Zom to continue. Uh, although I couldn't give a crap about some comic books you've read. <laughs> I knew there would be some people about that. I'll try and keep those short, but you know. Um, uh, he says, here in Germany, comics aren't uh, that popular, and I don't even know most of all the uh, those superheroes. Um, but he said he likes the food reviews, and uh childhood stories uh he finds them interesting and entertaining um uh he's never been to, to the uh, states but he said it's, it's like a lesson in american culture oh god don't uh don't think that it's uh everybody's uh is like me <laughs> uh, let's see um he said he has some movie related questions as the last two times uh, that he wrote uh they were more wrestling and porn related uh two topics uh you most certainly uh, do not care for, uh, let's see, uh, so Zom and Loaf if you're there. What is your opinion of modern HK cinema? I know that you have reviewed Vengeance and uh, uh, some a uh, while ago, and I dug uh, deep in HK cinema lately. I've watched uh, almost all of Johnny Toe's movies. I was wondering if you enjoy it as well. Um, or uh, if you can give any recommendations plus how uh, do you like uh, the movies of Michael Mann as he is my favorite filmmaker I'd like to know your faves and opinions of him uh, he has three films in my all time favorite top ten movies Heat, Thief and The Insider uh, speak of uh, all time faves do you plan on, uh, to do a show on such a list uh, Would uh, it would be interesting in hearing your uh, faves Um Let's see. Uh, Well, that's it for now. It's fucking hot here uh, for March. And, of course, it's uh, fucking snowing and like an Arctic uh, iceberg here. Uh, Would rather have some snow that you've complained about, Zom. Uh, Let's see. So, greetings. And uh, that's from Rolf. And he gives us a burp and some fart noises and some cricket noises. Okay. Now, for Rolf... um, I am not as uh, educated on Hong Kong cinema as some other people. Um, I know that uh, Loaf and uh, Large William and the Samurai, and and without a doubt, especially Jake McLarge Huge of uh, Podcast Without Honor and Humanity, and now of Cult of Muscle with uh, CDR. Uh, are the people that have turned me on big time to Asian cinema. Got to be honest, um, like I said, I loved all of Johnny Toe's stuff. um, And for recommendations on any kind of Asian cinema, um, Cult of Muscle, Jake or Jake, aka Jake McLarge Huge, is the go-to guy for me uh, on all that stuff. Uh, he watches it all. He watches the good, the bad, the ugly, and the good, the bad, and the weird, which was a, a fucking great movie. Um, I don't have like I know with uh, like uh, the Johnny Toe stuff. Um, I actually have bought some of several of those movies, uh, the digital downloads. I'm trying to think of, like, what the Asian cinema. I'll just tell you the Asian cinema that I have in, because uh, I'm right in front of my computer and I didn't prepare very well, so I'm just bringing up and, and I'm going to tell you the Asian cinema that I have on my iTunes that I have bought the digital uh, copies of. Uh, one of them is Election. Um, let's see. I uh, well, There sure won't be that many uh Mad Detective is a good one. I really like that one. Um, cuz anything anything that's in here uh if I paid for it, like if I actually I didn't rent it, I actually bought it, that means it's good. Of course 7 Samurai, you know, it's a great movie. Um Snowpiercer, you know, I know that's kind of a you know, the director uh is an Asian director, but I still love that movie. Um B Triad Election and uh, Thirteen Assassins. <sighs> Off the top of my head, I, I wish I could remember some of the other ones that I've watched. But like I said, uh, if you're not, I don't know if you're familiar with or not familiar with uh, the Cult of Muscle. Um, Jake uh, Jake McLarge Huge over there is the king of Asian cinema any recommendations that you have, whether it's him or large William or even loaf, uh, who has reemerged on the, uh, group, uh, they're the go-to guys as far as, uh, Asian cinema. I'm kind of just follow along with what, if they tell me something's good, I watch it. And nine times out of 10, everything that they tell me is, is, uh, is something that, uh, you know, after I watch it, I'm like, fuck, that was good. You know, I like, uh, uh, the gangster stuff and, and shit like that. But, uh, Uh, there's some Korean, you know, Japanese, Hong Kong, Korean, uh, even Chinese, you know, there's just a lot of good stuff, um, out there, but I'm not, no, I'm nowhere near an expert. And so I will defer to them. Um, now, as far as Michael Mann, I can speak a lot more on Michael Mann. Uh, I am a big fan of Michael Mann. Um, I used to – I don't say I'd have arguments, but I would tease Large William because he did not like Michael Mann. Um, I believe – and I, you know, you can correct me on this. I think it was just more that he didn't think Michael – I think he thought Michael Mann was more of like a one-trick pony and uh, that he wasn't as great of an auteur as some people made him out to be. Uh, I like Michael Mann. Uh, Jericho, The Jericho Mile with Peter Strauss. I love that fucking movie. I love the music in it. I love the story in it. Um, it was a made for TV movie, but I could watch it over and over and over. I, I really enjoyed that one. Um, Thief with James Caan, uh, Jim Belushi, and Willie Nelson. Um, love that fucking movie. I remember at one time watching that. It was on HBO or something when I was a kid, and I was at my mom and dad's watching it. And I fell asleep, not because it was bad, because I I just, it was like in the three o'clock in the morning or something, I fell asleep, and I woke up out of a dead sleep, and I just remembered seeing Willie Nelson, and I fell back asleep, and when I woke up, I thought, Jesus Christ, I was dreaming that Willie Nelson was in this fucking movie. And then when I watched the fucking movie all the way through for the first time, I was like, fucking Willie Nelson was in that fucking movie. I thought I was dreaming. I love that movie. James Caan is fucking great in it. I love the, um, the uh, kind of um, the how-to. It was like a realistic uh, uh, crime movie where they showed you know how, how he would plan out everything. He, and I loved his code that he wouldn't break, that, you know, he would only steal diamonds. He would only, you know, he would never rat anybody out. And the whole thing about being in prison and how, um, you just reach to reach nothingness, you know, nothing can touch you. It reminded me of the Bob Dylan song, you know, uh, uh, when you ain't got nothing, you ain't got nothing to lose and how he was that way. And then when he started trying to build what he thought was his dream life, He ended up having something, so he had something to lose, so then he could be touched. Uh, He could be threatened. He could have somebody threaten him and threaten to, if you care about something, then people can use that against you. And uh, I just liked that whole thing. I thought James Caan, that was one of his best movies. Michael Mann was great in it. The, uh, The music in it. Uh, just the wetness, the driving, you know, the the rain and everything, the darkness. Uh, I love that fucking movie. The Keep, I started to watch that, and I never, I, I didn't even get into it. It's more of a, like a, a not, I like the idea of it, but I have not watched more than probably 10 minutes of it. It's like a Nazi kind of occult movie, which I really like Nazi occult stuff, whether it's Nazi zombies or Nazi ghosts or Nazis and the Devil and shit like that. Um, I heard it wasn't that great, so I. But I, I, I want to watch it, but I'm, I just haven't, so I can't comment on that one. Uh, Manhunter, which was the movie that originally gave us um, Brian Cox as Hannibal Lecter and um, uh, Will Graham, uh, was Jesus Christ, can't remember his fucking name, uh, William Peterson. Uh, I like that movie. I saw it in the theater when it first came out didn't know anything, didn't know who Hannibal. this was before the big uh, Jody Foster, silence of the lambs and everything. So didn't know anything about Hannibal Lecter, didn't know anything about any of that shit. My friend and I, I remember us looking at each other thinking, okay, what is this guy? Is he like, a? does he have some kind of, we didn't know what a, uh, even a, um, profiler was or anything like that. Uh, so we were like, does, is he supposed to have like, is he like a mutant? Does he have like ESP or something? Uh, because he, he, he would think like the criminal but we just didn't know it wasn't that popular of what that shit was at the time but I still love that movie I think it's really good it is ten times better than the one with Ed Norton Red Dragon which I really did not like at all um, LA Takedown which was uh, what they based um, the movie Heat on the true story it was a TV movie um, I haven't seen that one in a long time uh, Heat, of course, is f- superior to it, but I have seen that one. Last of the Mohicans I just watched not that long ago with uh, Daniel Day-Lewis. Um, I like that movie. Uh, I love anything Daniel Day-Lewis is in because he's just fucking great. Um, it's a good movie. They follow closely to the, the story, and there is a tenuous link between uh, Stalker, which I just reviewed, and... Less than the Mohegans. And if you can tell me what that tenuous link is, write in and let me know. Because I, I know what it is, but I'm just saying there's a tenuous link there. If you've seen Stalker and uh, Less than the Mohegans, you'll you'll know that there is a tenuous link there. Now, of course, Michael Mann did uh, Crime Story, uh, which had Dennis Farina, whose first part, first uh, movie role, he was an excellent ex-Chicago cop, was in Thief. Uh, he's one of the henchmen. Uh, the, and um, at the end, he gets uh, when James Conn does his uh, home invasion of the the bad guy. Uh, when he comes out, uh, Farina comes running across the lawn, and James Conn dispatches of him. And Farina, who uh, most of the stuff he well, I think in Crime Story he still had black hair and a black mustache, but uh, when you saw him on Law and Order and a lot of other stuff, uh, a lot of other movies, he had the you know gray hair and a gray mustache. But uh, he was pretty young in this one uh, in, um, um, heat, or I mean in thief, um, heat. I love, I think it's a great fucking movie. It came out at the same time as casino that Scorsese did. And I will say this, uh, I liked heat better. I liked the crew, uh, De Niro's crew, uh, Val fucking Kilmer was great. Uh, Danny Trejo. Uh, you had Henry Rollins in there. You had Fickner. Um, I mean, Pacino, and, I mean, just everybody, Russ, uh, West Studi, the fucking gunfight uh, uh, during the bank heist is the greatest gunfight in the history of cinema, as far as I'm concerned, when I'm watching it at home. Uh, when they get ready, when uh, De Niro and Sizemore go out, and and they're getting in the car, and um, Kilmer's walking across the thing with the big... Uh, uh, big uh, duffel bag full of money, and he just glimpses out of the corner of his eye and sees the cop, and just opens up. I crank the fucking surround sound up, and it's just like—I mean, you know—you're just hearing this. They're just fucking wide open, just fucking shooting, and it's just awesome. The Insider is a fucking great movie, and it's a, an important movie because it tells a lot about how um, these big corporations use their money, even if they're doing stuff that's killing. Whether it's Cars that airbags don't deploy. They're billion-dollar corporations, but then they uh, put out um, this shit like McDonald's. Uh, you know, all a woman, a, an old woman. They made their coffee so scalding hot because they wanted it to stay hot for people as they're driving down the road. It was ten times hotter than any you know than than coffee should be. Uh, It gave the woman third-degree fucking burns. She almost died from her fucking burns. But they put it out like, oh, these frivolous lawsuits. Oh, coffee's hot. Who would have thought? And they're a billion-dollar corporation that pays their fucking customers jack shit. I mean, pays their employees jack shit, keeps all the fucking money, and then bitch because somebody wins like a million-dollar fucking lawsuit, which is nothing to them. And that's the same thing with these cigarette companies. It shows how they manipulate through money and get these people to – they get these scientists and doctors and stuff to sign uh, confidentiality agreements that even if they know that the product is killing people, they can't tell. And there's just something wrong about that. I I thought Russell Crowe was great in that. Al Pacino was awesome in that. Uh, Even when they were showing like uh, the guy playing Mike Wallace uh, going and interviewing these terrorists and stuff. It's just a great movie. Uh, The Muhammad Ali movie, uh, I've seen it one time. Uh, I'm not the world's biggest Will Smith fan, but he did do a good job, and I thought he was really good for the part. It's a good movie. I'm a boxing fan. I haven't had the urge to go back and watch it again, though. Collateral, I really liked. Uh, Tom Cruise, you see him running a lot. I'm not a big Jamie Foxx fan. I thought he was good in this. Um, I thought it was a good movie. It wasn't a great movie, but I have watched it several times. But Cruise was, was, was excellent in it. Uh, public Enemies. Um, Loaf, I think, hates this fucking movie. Um, I'm not a big fan of it. I I like all the old gangster stuff. I've read a lot about like John Dillinger, Bonnie and Clyde, all that stuff. Like I said, Al Capone and all that stuff from those times. I'm, I'm fucking interested in all those people and everything that went down. I did not think it was a great movie. It was worth a watch. I've seen it maybe... Uh, a couple times I once, uh, where I watched it all the way through. And then, um, uh, it's been on TV several times where I've just caught parts of it. Uh, the one, one thing, Stephen Lang is in it. I forgot the fucking Channing Tatum, who I, uh, uh, call, uh, Tatum Channing all the time, uh, plays pretty boy Floyd in that. I forgot. So I'm gonna have to go back and watch that again. There's people as Steven Dorf's in it. I forgot he's in it. Uh, Uh, But uh, Stephen Lang is in it, and I like him. And uh, the MMA fighter, uh, oh, Don Frye is in it, too, who uh, plays one of Stephen Lang's, uh, like, I don't know if he's like a U.S. Marshal, but they come to help, uh, um, is it Elliot Ness? Uh, Or no, who was the one that, uh, oh, goddamn Christian Bale, Melvin Purvis. They come to help him, like, they're they're like his kind of posse, and uh, Don Fry is one, uh, is with Stephen Lang, and I saw Don Fry at the Bellagio in Las Vegas. And if you think, I mean, he is like one of the most intimidating, meanest looking guys. And he might be the nicest guy in the world, but he's got this big black mustache and big black eyebrows. He was jacked, and he was walking around with uh, the wrestling uh, uh, announcer Jim Ross, and they both were walking with uh, two ladies. And I was like, fuck. I thought about, like, saying, you know, hey, how are you or whatever, but he just, like, looked at me and his eyes are even black. And I was like, God damn it, that guy's a scary looking motherfucker. Uh, Johnny Depp plays John Dillinger in that. Um, I would say uh, for my John Dillinger movies, a uh, movie, I would watch Warren Oates and uh, Harry Dean Stanton and, um, and Ben Johnson in the movie Dillinger. But I like Michael Mann. Um, um, my michael mann go-to movies would probably be the same as yours but definitely thief and heat are my two favorites uh i do i do like um um the insider but it's not one that and i've watched it a bunch of times but when i think michael mann i think of heat and thief uh so i really like him and um I'm trying to. Th- I'm gonna see what he's if he's what he's got coming out while I still got you. Hey, I'm like I'm on the phone while I still got you guys on here. Um, as a director, he uh, had a black hat, and I think that's the one that had Thor in it. And I, I'll be honest with you, the only reason that I would go see that is because Michael Mann directed it. I just when I saw the trailer for it, number one, I haven't heard jack shit about it, and number two, Chris Hemsworth. I don't know. I don't know um, the superhero stuff. Yeah, I mean, you know, but I don't know. I'll I'll watch it when it comes out on Netflix, and then I'll see, you know, what I think of it. Uh, It just did not, when I saw that Michael Mann was directing it, that's the only reason that I would even give it a look. It just didn't look that good, and uh, the cast doesn't look that good to me anyway we'll see maybe I'll eat my words I hope I do because if it's good that's great uh, I love good movies anyway Rolf uh, thanks for writing in uh, like I said I, I just kind of did this on a whim which I've you know because I, I had some time to do the show and I forgot to uh, to check the emails but I checked them um, and like I said if you guys have any feedback or whatever definitely send it uh, send it to us um, through the um, you know through the emails because I, I'm not really doing the uh, Doing the uh, uh, voicemails uh, since Loaf and I aren't doing it, he's he's putting the show out, and uh, and I, you know, I just really haven't had time to get into the gist of uh, you know actually producing the show and putting it out myself. Uh, let's see, I think let's see, I don't know if we read this one last week or not. From this is from Matt, and it says, uh, let's see, just wanted to say uh, thanks to Zom uh, for keeping the and Gold podcast running I miss the dynamic duo of and Loaf uh, but know that you're doing great on the solo shows uh, I'm going to check out Borgman this weekend and Babadook uh, they sound excellent he's in the middle of reading Easy Rider uh, Easy Riders and Raging Bulls so the review of American Dreamer was a nice surprise and I, I do have that book I recommend it. for that period of time all the stuff in it's great and it, and it tells some behind the scenes stuff that's awesome uh from the book in your review, hopper sounded like a real monster uh which is not what I had built up in my in my head and i said it said the same thing on the reviews you know you think of hopper as being like a probably like a hippie uh you know who Likes to smoke weed and is a peacenik and stuff like that, and he really wasn't. So anyway, but uh, thanks. Uh, that's Matt from Omaha, and thanks, Matt. I just uh, saw that email. I thought uh, when I was glancing out through there, there's a lot of sp- uh, people send us spam, uh, so uh, I didn't see that one. But I'm glad that I did, and I got to get your email on there. And uh, guys, uh, I'm gonna get off here, and uh, I hope everybody's doing all right. Let us know what you think of the show, and uh, if you have any. Uh, questions or anything, definitely send them to us and I'll be glad to uh, go over them. And uh, uh, hopefully once I get in the, um, get in the groove of doing this, uh, I'll make it a regular thing to read the emails before I start doing the show. So I have some, some better answers for you. But like I said, uh, as far as the Asian cinema goes, uh, Rolf, uh, uh, check out uh, Jake Mclarge huge. And I think he might still have his um, podcast without honor and humanity. Uh, the website up, and you'll see a lot of uh, good movies on there, the uh, Asian cinema, to, the, to check out. But uh, this is Dr. Zom. I'm going to head in here and get a little something to drink and probably uh, dry the dogs off and go to sleep. Uh, thanks for supporting the show, guys. And uh, this is Zom saying, Zom. Ooh,